Welcome to the Pick 6 Movies Podcast, where each season we select a topic, and then we find six movies that are all related to that topic. And then on each episode, we pick one of those six movies, and we give you all kinds of history and information on how and why this movie got made, followed by a full review from start to finish to see if the movie is any good. You know, that Pick 6 Movies podcast. I'm Chad Cooper, one of your two charming hosts, and along with my lifelong and dearest friend, Mr. Bo Ransdell, we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of season 24's theme, Pop Culture Club, featuring six movies that were all based on wildly popular pop culture phenomena. This is episode four, and we are featuring the movie Super Mario Brothers, based on the old school Nintendo video game. Now, I know what you're thinking, Isn't that movie notoriously terrible? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, and I forgot to mention that we mostly watch and discuss terrible movies on this podcast. Super Mario Brothers has Bob Hoskins from Who Framed Roger Rabbit and John Leguizamo from The Pest or Spawn or Chef. Chef's a good movie. He was in Chef. That's worth watching. Um, We got Dennis Hopper from Easy Rider and Blue Velvet. Uh, Oh, Mojo Nixon shows up to really make you scratch your head. There are dinosaurs and incoherent narratives, extraneous characters that should have been left on the editing room floor. This movie's got everything. (laughs) It's a real mess. But there is a reason that this movie is a real mess. And to explain how bad things happen to good actors, Let's get Bo in here to explain how one of the most popular video games of all time went down the tubes in this terrible big screen adaptation. Bo, 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 get in here and tell these people how this stinkeroo got made. You may not know the name Shigeru Miyamoto, but you live in a world he helped to create. He was born in a little town north of Kyoto to a father who worked as an English teacher to Japanese students. Before he found his true calling, Miyamoto wanted to be a manga artist. He got a degree in industrial engineering and something about this blend of the creative and the practical would make him a video game legend. He loved creating and even modeled toys of his own design. And he was a dreamer given to flights of fancy and imagination. To make him an honest man, his father introduced him to Hiroshi Yamauchi, the president of Nintendo. This was way back in 1977 when Nintendo's video game profile was slight. Mostly they made card games and novelties. Miyamoto showed off some of his toy designs to Yamauchi, who hired him because of his creativity and probably mostly because of a mutual friendship between Yamauchi and Miyamoto's father. Stupid Nepo babies. A year after beginning work at Nintendo, Miyamoto encountered an arcade machine called Space Invaders. While working as an apprentice in the planning department, Miyamoto worked on the art for Nintendo's very first original arcade game called Sheriff. His first job in helping develop a game was an ill-fated arcade game called Radarscope. When Western buyers got a look at the game, they passed. And not just passed, they left Nintendo with a bunch of arcade cabinets and nowhere to put them. Yamauchi, the president of Nintendo, saw financial ruin for Nintendo on the horizon, but came up with a pretty good idea. 
why not use these cabinets, which they had a bunch of, but put a different game in them? As Miyamoto put it later, there was no one else to do that job, so he was drafted to make a game to fit the radar scope cabinets. Miyamoto drew on the influences of literature and film. He wanted to create a love triangle in the vein of King Kong or Beauty and the Beast or even Popeye, a property Nintendo tried and failed to license. So Miyamoto changed Popeye's villain, Bluto, into an ape, but nothing too scary or disgusting. To quote Miyamoto, a hang loose kind of guy. He would be the pet of the player's character and in love with the character's girl. It was the first time in recorded history an actual story preceded the programming of a game. Speaking of, Miyamoto was many things, but a programmer he was not. Gunpei Yokoi was tapped to lead the team and he worked with Miyamoto to make his new game, called Donkey Kong, a reality. Miyamoto had grand visions, including different levels and ladders and different ways for the characters to move. The programming team complained Miyamoto was making them program the same game multiple times, but eventually they relented to create a rotating set of stages for the main character to climb and jump through. There were barrels and flaming balls to avoid, and when the game was done, it was sent to Nintendo of America for testing. They were skeptical. Most games were single-screen shooters like Asteroids or Maze games. This was something entirely different, but it's what they had to sell. And so Nintendo of America came up with a few names, like Pauline for the female character, named after the wife of Nintendo of America's warehouse manager, a woman named Polly. And the character rescuing Pauline from the villainous Donkey Kong was called Jumpman. Donkey Kong was a hit, and a sequel, Donkey Kong Jr., also featuring Jumpman, followed in 1982. Donkey Kong 3 arrived in 1983, and Miyamoto's legend began. His next game would change the entertainment world forever. Miyamoto wanted to use Jumpman from the Donkey Kong series in his next game. He changed the outfit from that of a carpenter, as was intended in the Donkey Kong representations, and worked with Nintendo of America to give Jumpman an actual name. They chose to name the character after the Nintendo of America warehouse landlord, a guy named Mario Sigali. And so Mario was born. Not only did his name and appearance change, he was given a brother, Luigi, and superpowers, at least according to Miyamoto. He and Luigi would be able to fall from any height, and their adventure would take place under New York City. There was a maze of sewage pipes for the brothers to explore, and it would have a two-player mode reminiscent of the popular arcade game Joust. But in 1985, Nintendo released the Famicom, or Family Computer in Japan, a home video game system. Along with the release of this console, which would be called the Nintendo Entertainment System in the United States, came two games developed by Miyamoto. The first was a sequel to the arcade game Mario Brothers, this one called Super Mario Brothers. In a bold move, the game would be included with the console, making it both a sales incentive and a landmark in home video gaming. Along with Super Mario Brothers, Miyamoto shepherded the release of The Legend of Zelda, a big departure for Miyamoto and games as a whole. Most games, including Super Mario Brothers, were linear. Mario moved from left to right, jumping his way through the level. In Zelda, the game would be non-linear, 
Players could guide their character in any direction, and the puzzles they encountered might have more than one solution. It was the kind of innovation in gaming that would pave the way for the multi-billion dollar industry it is today. Miyamoto expressed an ability to create worlds for gamers that could immerse them completely in his vision. For Zelda, Miyamoto drew on the fields around his childhood home near Kyoto, his adventures jumping creeks and discovering caves. Miyamoto recalled the joys of rounding a bend to discover a lake and wanted the player to feel that same sense of wonder and exploration. Even the mazes were reminiscent of his childhood home with its sliding doors, making a maze just like the player would encounter in the game. During the life of the Famicom or NES, depending on where you bought it, Miyamoto also developed Kid Icarus, Ice Climber, Excite Bike, and sequels to Super Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda, making each new incarnation bigger, bolder, and more complicated. When Nintendo upped their console game with the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, or Super Famicom, Miyamoto was tasked with developing another launch title, a sci-fi racer called F-Zero. He also worked on Star Fox and two more Mario games, Super Mario World, which would introduce the dinosaur Yoshi, and Super Mario RPG, a role-playing game developed in concert with Square Enix, who made the Final Fantasy series of games, among others. That game takes place in the Mushroom Kingdom, which appeared in later Mario games, and kind of in the movie. As if that weren't enough, Miyamoto also assisted Satoshi Tajiri in the development of Pocket Monsters Red and Gold, which marked the introduction of the Pokemon franchise. Miyamoto even helped guide the social trading aspect, which launched the Pokemon franchise into the stratosphere. The introduction of the Nintendo 64 brought Super Mario 64 and two more Zelda games, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, often hailed as one of the best in the franchise, and Majora's Mask, often confusing. This brought the games into the 3D era, while new spin-offs like Mario Kart and Mario Party also developed alongside with Miyamoto supervising. Nintendo's next console was the GameCube, which brought a new spin-off, Luigi's Mansion, a haunted house game featuring everyone's favorite plumber brother. When Yokoi, his mentor and friend who helped develop Donkey Kong, died, Miyamoto picked up development of Metroid Prime, and then went off to create Pikmin and Pikmin 2, which were inspired by Miyamoto's love of gardening. And of course, there were sequels to Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, and F-Zero. Nintendo dipped into handhelds during this era too, with the DS. Old games found their way to the portable platform, while the invention of the Wii and its motion controllers gave Miyamoto a new set of tools to play with. Miyamoto's influence continues as he holds a creative director position within Nintendo, acting as a sort of consigliere of fun for a series of new presidents of Nintendo. He famously does not focus test his games, only gauging whether a game is fun or not by his own personal scale. He said, quote, that's the point, not to make something sell, something very popular, but to love something and make something we creators can love. It's the most important feeling we should have when we make games. Miyamoto has been hailed as the Spielberg of video games, arguably the most important video game designer of all time, and still, he's a humble guy. He prefers not to appear on television, only showing up on stage for Nintendo's shows to introduce new games or new consoles. 
He plays the guitar and the mandolin and the banjo. He loves bluegrass music. He's a quiet, perhaps even a shy man who quietly and profoundly changed the world. It was no surprise then, given the massive popularity of the Mario games, that someone sometime would make a movie adaptation. And Nintendo, way back in the early 1990s, believed that the Mario brand was so strong that offering a license up to a filmmaker with a vision, someone who might experiment with a concept, was not such a bad idea. Enter Roland Joffe, an American producer behind such diverse films as The Killing Fields, Fat Man and Little Boy, and that horny Gary Oldman adaptation of The Scarlet Letter. He met with then-president of Nintendo, Hiroshi Yamauchi, and pitched them on a story idea, something akin to the tone of Ghostbusters, using the Mario character. He left there about $2 million lighter, but with a license to use Mario in film. One of the factors in the licensing was Joffe's assurance Nintendo could have complete creative control, which Nintendo declined. They felt they had no idea how to make a movie, and besides, Joffe was a professional. He'd made the killing fields for God's sakes. That was a mistake Nintendo would never make again. The first script was sort of a road trip movie written by Barry Morrow, who had made waves with his script Rain Man. His version was often referred to as Drain Man because it was criticized as being too dramatic and frankly not much fun and also kind of like Rain Man. Next came Jim Genowine and Tom S. Parker, who were known for their live action adaptation of The Flintstones. Their take was inspired by The Wizard of Oz, a movie where our plumbers find themselves in a magical world. They wanted it to be a buddy movie that sort of skewered fairy tales in the process. Genowine later acknowledged their draft was not unlike the Shrek films in tone. Greg Beeman, the guy who directed that License to Drive movie, was selected to direct and the movie moved into pre-production. Unfortunately, Beeman also directed a movie called Mom and Dad Save the World, a movie that bombed hard enough that Beeman was shit-canned from the Mario movie. So, Joffe, the producer, went to Harold Ramis, who wisely declined. And after a few more misfires, Joffe landed on the creative minds behind Max Headroom. Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jenkel, a husband and wife team with a very distinct sensibility. Drawing on their love of Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, the directors and producer Joffe agreed that the movie should have a darker tone than the whimsical Wizard of Oz draft of the script. A new screenwriter, Parker Bennett, was brought in to add these darker elements, drawing on things like Mad Max, Blade Runner, and Die Hard. You know, kids' movies. They envisioned the story as a prequel to the games, an origin story of the plumbers and their adventures in these crazy pipes. Bennett said, quote, we were aiming towards funny, but kind of weird and dark. Super Mario World had already come out and served as a video game inspiration for the dinosaur land of the movie, a location that existed in the game, along with the new character, Yoshi. During this stage of development, Joffe determined that the movie was too funny and dismissed Bennett and his writing partner, Terry Runte, and two writers named Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, writers of The Likely Lads and Afuita Zane Pet, whatever the hell those are. They were brought in to restore the dark tone and add a dash of feminism to the script. It was on the basis of this script 
that Bob Hoskins agreed to take the role of Mario, unaware of the fact that there was a video game at all. When his kids showed him the video game and the character that he would be playing, the story goes that he said, you know, I was King Lear once. So the rest of the cast filled in, including John Leguizamo as Luigi and Samantha Mathis as Princess Daisy, and of course the often insane Dennis Hopper as the villain. There were other possibilities for Mario, Dustin Hoffman originally was signed on, and then Danny DeVito, who also would have directed. This was a version I would absolutely love to see of this movie. Tom Hanks was up for Luigi, but he was passed over after he had gone through a string of box office flops, and at that point in his career was kind of box office poison. This was also the same year that he would shoot Philadelphia and go on to win an Oscar, so things worked out for him, I guess. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Keaton were offered the role of Koopa before production landed on Hopper. And then the role of Toad was offered to crooner Tom Waits, but he declined. However, rockabilly punker Mojo Nixon's manager said they could have a two-bit Tom Waits for a third of the cost, and Joffe signed Mojo Nixon up. So with the cast in place, Joffe now believed the film was too dark and skewed away from the intended family audience. Also, the effects that were called for by the script were a little beyond their budget, so without telling the directors or the cast or the crew, Joffe hired new writers to change the script one more time. When the cast and crew arrived in Wilmington, North Carolina to shoot the movie, they received the new script. Morton and Jenkel, the directors who, you may remember, had originally done the TV series Max Headroom, contemplated walking out, but they decided that they owed it to their cast and crew to stick it out with them. Meanwhile, Bennett and Runte came back to add some more to the script while Ed Solomon, one of these new writers, also worked through production. It was truly building the plane in midair. The production design was inspired by Tim Burton and his surreal Beetlejuice-like visions of alternate dimensions. And while they are primitive, a lot of the visual effects work was pioneering at the time. Even the practical puppeting effects of the dinosaurs are kind of impressive. Producers of Jurassic Park visited the set to get some tips on making their own puppets for that movie, which I probably don't have to tell you, was way more successful. Still, there was a sense that things were going wrong. The directors were managing a production nightmare, and in response, Hoskins said he and Leguizamo would drink every day before shooting began. Hopper, who had signed on for five weeks, ended up spending 17 on the North Carolina set, and he was one of those who would later say in interviews that the whole thing was a nightmare, with directors arguing with each other, Hoskins kinda checked out, even though I think he gives a pretty good performance. And Leguizamo and Samantha Mathis just trying to get through this film that was supposed to be kind of a break for both of them. A few weeks before filming, Disney purchased the distribution rights for the movie, and Joffe was straining to force the movie into more of that family-friendly mold where the directors and crew were trying to make the bleak, offbeat comedy they signed on for in the first place. According to Leguizamo, the directors were shooting scenes of strippers and sexually explicit material that would wind up on the cutting room floor in favor of dancing goombas or whatever the hell they are. After production wrapped, Morton and Jangle were locked out of the editing room while second unit reshot some of the movie. Finally, an appeal to the Directors Guild of America got the filmmakers back into the editing booth, 
but the insistence of the producers to cut the movie using analog techniques meant the process was slower and disallowed some of the effects to be completed, whereas the original directors wanted to use digital editing. Sounds like a minor thing, but kind of a big deal. And when the movie was finally released, it was the disaster everyone feared it might be. Worldwide, the movie brought in about $40 million, which was not nearly the success everyone had hoped for, and the critical response was even worse. The LA Times said, quote, It's a movie split in two, wildly accomplished on one level, wildly deficient on another. Siskel and Ebert, those old stalwarts, put it on their list of the worst movies of the year in 1993. And supposedly, there is something called the Morton Jenkel Cut, an extended version of Super Mario Brothers that exists as a sort of work print, sort of like the David Lynch Dune, in which there's a rap, which you can hear a little of here. You ever get the feeling you're an automatic pilot? You're going through the motions like waves in the ocean? That life is a series of brainless notions, and you want to feel something more than empty emotions. Well, we met two plumbers. Who had an idea. They showed us the light. And the new frontier. Mario. And Luigi. They know what's right. We got to take a stand and put up a fight. Well, stop. And think this through, it's time to get rid of you, you know, know who. A radical development is taking place. Iggy. And Spike will, will set, set the, the pace. Koopa. The, the party poopa. The poopa scoopa. It's a crying shame. We're playing his game. He's got us so tame. It really is lame. lame. We're all so dumb being under his thumb. Be proud reptilians. We number in the millions. Look at these goombas. Shutting us down. The rule of force. Is the rule of this clown. Koopa. The, the party poopa. Also, some of that sexually explicit material found its way in there. It's a real mess. But can the movie as it stands, this theatrical version of Super Mario Brothers, can it really be that bad? Well, there's only one way to find out. Let's get our resident Goomba in here to do some dancing for your pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Mario's and Luigi's, it's 1993's Super Mario Brothers. everyone it is the only video game podcast that i'm aware of on the internet but this time we are diverting from our usual talk of video games and game related uh shenanigans to talk about mm-hmm. a movie wait wait yes wait. wait is that this podcast no it's the other podcast that you do with uh joey joystick oh joey mm-hmm. joystick that guy's always got to take on something Hot take, Joey. Right, this is Pick Six <laughs> Movies. I'm both. This is uh, this is Chad. My, the, hey, a Goomba, if ever there was one. Mm-hmm. You can just call me King Koopa. Oh, you know, I didn't put that together. Now I feel really stupid. I feel like <laughs> I should have introduced you that way. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. I mean, low hanging fruit right in front of me. Did you go see this new Mario Brothers movie in the theater that everybody's seen? It's made like a bajillion, jillion dollars. I have not seen it. Nah, me neither. You want to know why? Because I'm a grown damn man. I would take kids to it. I'll probably watch it when it hits. Is your van in the shop? Hey, (laughs) hey, 
Get in the van. We'll go see Mario. Right. The ice cream van. <laughs> the music thing is broken. It doesn't play the Pied Piper-esque tune to lure children. I would like to see it just out of curiosity because I do enjoy the Mario games and, and Mario Kart and all that stuff. And I'm enough of a, mm. a mark that if you throw enough references to stuff i know that i'm that kind of dirtbag like hey look roots rainbow road from mario kart you know yeah. the bar for illumination entertainment is pretty low for me there's not a whole lot that they put out that's worth a damn and so i'm like all right if you can somehow stumble over that bar good for you that's honestly one of the things that kept me away from it is because i saw minions the rise of Gru in theaters i'm so sorry and that thing was unendurable i find all of those despicable me movies to be unwatchable yeah my son grew up as those movies slowly rolled out and just one after the other those felt like movies that were written by frenchmen and i'm like well there's something culturally <laughs> different that, oh. I, that i'm just not getting you know like or a movie that was like like oh the people behind this the triplets of belleville something like that there's a weird deep cut you know when you watch yeah, it yeah. you're just like well there's something that's being lost in translation in how you're defining good guys and bad guys and what's funny and what's not for some reason all of these movies have seven acts but they remove four and six just to keep you on your toes like that kind of shit those movies were every single one of them progressively just got worse and worse and worse for me for a second there i was very curious what you meant by this feels like it was written by french people and I, I, what i pictured is mario just smoking at a cafe <laughs> what is the point of all this jumping i jump on a mushroom i jump on a turtle how many coins do any of us really need i jump on the flag i ride it down the fireworks go off over the castle over and over again what does it matter? To what in? Luigi, put down the straight razor. Life is worth living or not. Actually, give me the straight razor. The princess is always in another castle. Why should I even bother to use my head to make <laughs> blocks above me bounce up and down? Bring me my wine! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to French Video Game Theater. Wait, are we recording? Have we started yet? No. Uh, oh, good. I haven't right. recorded And any of these. welcome to Pick Six oh. Movies. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. But this is a real eyeball movie. Super Mario Brothers, I mean, not the, the animated one. No. But this 1993 kind of curiosity. And it was one of the first video game movies and it was one of the reasons that there weren't a lot of video game movies for a while what else was in there mortal Kombat, street fighter yes yeah, raul julia's right. last film r.i.p raul julia i gotta say that street fighter movie is terrible raul julia terrific in it he's great in everything that whole bit about like for you the day that bison <laughs> graced your village and killed your father was the single most important day of your life for me it was a tuesday you can't beat it i was probably like 12 or 13 and i watched kiss of the spider woman with my mom <laughs> oh wow that's uncomfortable how fucking weird was that <laughs> 
and it was my choice. I was going to say, why on earth? But knowing the movies that we watched when we were younger, like we were real like budding cinephiles and we're, we're, they were weird, man. Strangely adventurous. <laughs> like we were the kids in the back, like Barton Fink, Barton Fink. Like that would have been us because we were just into that shit. Like we watched unironically wanted to see Barton Fink, not because we like the Coen brothers, you know, and that doesn't totally surprise think, me. But I it's think weird. you and I got in that beat up Sirocco, the rock and Sirocco. my dad. Yeah. And drove like 40 miles to go to, to a theater uh-huh. to watch Roger and me. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I had my driver's license and you were like a few months away. Like, dude, we could totally go see Roger and me. Yeah, <laughs> we went to go see Barry Levinson's Avalon, and twice. we were like we stoked about twice. it. <laughs> we saw it once, and we're like, "That's not enough. That movie deserves more." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like a day trip. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, huh. But <laughs> right, like, oh man, we were such little assholes. I love it. Super Mario Brothers. I didn't see this movie until mm-hmm. recently. I heard it was bad. I never needed to watch it. I remember watching about half of it on some cable channel and just being like, yeah, I'm tuning out. This isn't very good. And then I just went on my merry way. So until we did it for this particular episode, I'd never really sat down and watched it. And let me just say, based on your intro, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. They came and said, make a movie based on this IP. There's no backstory. There's no plot. There's no characters. With Nintendo being like, just do something. And this is what you got. I don't fault the filmmakers for the product that they ultimately produced. It is like going to a child on Mother's Day and saying, hey, go in the kitchen and make breakfast. (laughs) And when they come in and it's just a fucking nightmare on a TV tray, then you got what you asked for. I think this is largely a producer problem as you heard in the introduction the main producer of the film saying like no 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 it needs to be darker whoa whoa, whoa, wait it needs to be lighter okay no 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 Uh, forget what i said it needs to be darker again oh but disney's putting it out so we need to make sure it's good for the kids yeah when you're trying to please everybody you please nobody if the movie had just been this weird dark blade runner-esque thing which it kind of is but it's not totally that and so it fails and if it just been a kid's movie that would have been fine but it's not totally that and it fails it's trying to appeal to so many different perspectives and you just can't do that i I gotta tell you on my first pass clearly it has hints of the wizard of oz or alice in wonderland but to bring it more in line with when the film came out it kind of reminded me a little bit of labyrinth these movies where you take a character and send them to this fantastical world where crazy weird shit happens and that's what this movie really is in fact i would argue that this movie would make more sense to someone who had never heard of super mario brothers unlike the garbage pail kids like if i show garbage pail kids to somebody and they don't know what garbage pail kids are they're lost okay i think the flip side is true here that because you're constantly drawing comparisons when oh that's this and that's that creates more confusion if i showed this to a 10 year old kid now who'd never played any of the mario games or heard of that property it's not going to make more sense but it's going to make more sense than for people who were aware of that Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, because the problem is when you're watching it as someone who knows 
the games and the influence that they've had on pop culture, you're constantly looking for things like, oh, look, there's the Babomb and there's a Bullet Bill and look, there's a Thwomp and here are Goombas and here's this reference to the Mushroom Kingdom. And everything is kind of there, but there in a way that doesn't quite sync with what you expect it to be. Right. That's why I said, I think to you offline, it's like somebody played a game of telephone with the video games and told someone who told someone who told someone else who told the director what the games were like and as a result it just turns into this thing of like oh yeah all that stuff is in there but it's in there in a way that is deeply unsatisfying if you're into the video games right utterly baffling if you're not all right let's get into it oh no we're starting okay Let's just kick things off here. We start off with the classic Hollywood Pictures logo. Nothing says you're in the 1990s movie theater going experience than this particular production company. It was a simpler time, though, when only one production company made a movie instead of this parade of investment corporation logos that you see nowadays. And Hollywood movies was sort of like Disney saying, yeah, we want to put it out. But we don't want the Disney name on it. It was the stuff that it almost went straight to home video, but we'll put it in the theater for a few weeks anyway. So we get, at this point, the signature Super Mario Brothers music from the video game. And for a moment, you're like, hey, this might be good. Actually, up through the first like 20 minutes, I would say, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Nah, it lost me at right after this music. Like after we got the ba da ba ba da ba ba, I was like, okay. And then as soon as I heard Dan Castellaneta uh-huh. doing the voiceover of the Sega Genesis graphics, I was out. This is awful. The narration, by the way, Chad, just to set yeah. the stage for both you and the listeners, is a long, long time ago. <laughs> The earth was ruled by dinosaurs. It's not that at all. It's it's a long time ago. <laughs> the world was ruled by the dinosaurs. They were big, so not a lot of people went around yeah. hassling them. Actually, there was no people around at all. Because yeah. <laughs> they was dinosaurs and people went around back then. You know what? I know some people at the Creation Museum in Petersburg, Kentucky. <laughs> they would disagree with you, sir. The ones who have the posters on their wall of Jesus riding the Velociraptor. A YouGov survey within the last five Five years show that 40% of Americans believe that dinosaurs and people were on Earth simultaneously. As a public school teacher, Chad, <laughs> I'm shocked that they knew that dinosaurs weren't made up. You think that two out of five people that went to see this in the theater and they heard Homer Simpson's voice saying that dinosaurs and people did not coexist were like, that's it, kids. Get up. We're getting the hell out of here. It's bullshit. It's a big enough world that happened at we're least Going home once. and we're watching the Flintstones movie just the way God intended. I came here to show my kids a movie where two plumbers jump around and fight dinosaurs. I do not want a history lesson. Thank you very much, Super Mario Brothers movie. Woke Mario Brothers, more like it. That's why it's going broke. Woke means broke. Let me just say right now, anyone listening to this podcast, if you've ever claimed that something is woke, please turn it this off and go away forever. We don't want you here. I don't want you here. I don't want to speak for Bo or the rest of the Pick 6 movie staff or any of our interns or all the... I don't want you here. I'm tired of this woke nonsense. Woke means you believe something that I don't. If used disparagingly, yeah. I'm making a peanut butter and jelly. Would you like crunchy or smooth? I- I'm going to have crunchy. Oh, really? You woke? Huh? 
We're a smooth peanut butter house. Get the fuck out of here with your woke, crunchy peanut butter. I would think that smooth would be woke because that's fucking with like God's honest peanut butter. You think? I've read the Bible, Chad, and the Bible is definitely (laughs) pro-crunchy. I think it's in Deuteronomy. Jephesus 12. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Peter Pan, please. (laughs) There you go. Peter Pantheons. Choosy Messiahs, choose Jeff. I think is how that went. (laughs) But yeah, so in in this uh, whole... Dan Castellaneta thing. He says there was a giant meteorite that struck Earth and all the dinosaurs went away. But then he says, but what if the dinosaurs weren't destroyed? What if the impact of that media created a parallel dimension where the dinosaurs continued to thrive and evolve into intelligent, vicious, and aggressive beings just like us? And hey, what if they found a way back? And then before we get the title of the movie, everyone's like, what does this have to do with the Super Mario Brothers? Aren't these people going to jump on the back of a turtle at some point? We do get the title, (laughs) Super Mario Brothers. Like, that's the buildup. And it's just reflective of everything that's wrong about this film. Yeah. So it starts like Brooklyn, 65 million years ago. Kabam. Brooklyn, 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That was a big jump. (laughs) Brooklyn, 100 million years in the future. Brooklyn, Thursday, two (laughs) weeks from now. What? what? Stop it. I just want to eat my popcorn and not have to think about the space-time continuum. Alan Silvestri did the music for this movie. Uh Uh-huh. And there are a few moments where you get whiffs of Back to the Future in this particular film. Mm -hmm. When the movie... Uh, starts off especially here we see this mystery woman running through the city streets of somewheresville at night in a big thunderstorm and this is where you get brooklyn 20 years ago and i'm mm-hmm. like what from now from when the movie came out i'm with you I just keep going and th- there are definite moments in this score that reminded me of back to the future and As this movie progresses, I don't know that I've seen a movie for this podcast that is more drenched in the 90s than this film. It felt like the dim-witted younger brother of Cameron Crowe's singles. All of the Doc Martin boots, Mm -hmm. the baby doll dresses, the soundtrack and the artists that are featured, it's really wrapped in I Love the 90s. Fashion, the sensibility of it, because it's got that sort of semi-cyberpunk kind of vibe, but not quite. Yeah, like Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Wasn't that the movie where they plugged wires into dolphins' heads and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a dolphin in Johnny Mnemonic. You'll forget about that. Dolph Lundgren running around as some kind of cyber priest. That's a real stay tuned for this show. Don't even worry about it. Johnny Mnemonic will happen at some point. Whenever we get some like crackpot sci-fi theme season, Johnny Mnemonic will appear because it's just too weird a movie not to talk about. We see this woman. She's running through the city and she's got a little bundle in her arms. Mm-hmm. This is where the movie makes its first egregious, confusing mistake because this woman running through the streets, she's played by Samantha Mathis, mm-hmm. the actress who also plays Daisy in the this movie but knowing that samantha mathis is the female lead in this movie i was confused later when she showed up playing daisy because i was like wait is this the same character from the beginning of the film but they don't ever really touch on any of this because she's playing her own mother Mm -hmm. and they don't ever explain what happened to the mom they just say that she died
died. But this mystery woman, Daisy's mom, she drops off a little metal pod that has this pointy crystal rock on top for safekeeping at this building. Turns out that it is a covenant. And the mystery woman, she bangs on the door and she runs off in the rain. And then she disappears into the sewers, bow. Mm-hmm. which I was like, well, that kind of feels like a Mario reference with her going. But it's not a pipe. It's just like she removes a manhole cover and down she goes. Was it just me or should there have been one of those lasers like they use at raves spinning around her with a smoky kind of look? Do you know what I'm talking about? To what end? Just for style. Just because it was the 90s. I thought you were meaning as a plot device. Oh, no, of course. She should have had maybe a glow stick in her hand or two. She runs off. I think you're right. The idea of her being her own mother or looking like her own mother is one of those things that on paper I kind of get but it it's confusing in the movie and maybe there was something more like there's an offhanded line later about how she has her mother's eyes but it's not quite enough to justify that i think i'm just gonna go ahead and pepper this in right now it shouldn't have been her mom dropping her off at the nunnery it should have been a different character but we'll talk it should have been mojo nixon open up it should have been it should have been lana but maybe, or somebody else, somebody that was close to her, but we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The nuns show up and they open the door and they're like, Jesus Christ, there's a little metal box out here. Let's take it inside. And instead of calling the police as normal people would, because this thing looks like a bomb casing, they take it inside and they pray over it. <sighs> like that's going to do anything. They open it up and inside, Bo, there's not a baby, but a giant egg. And that's where you call the authorities. Somebody left a ginormous egg on our doorstep. This is not human. It needs to be quarantined until we figure out what the hell this thing is. Eventually, the egg cracks open. And then what they find inside is what appears to be a human baby. And here, these nuns have two choices. One, accept this as the second coming of Christ, but Christ is now a woman. Or two, murder this thing as the unholy abomination that it is because it's clearly the anti christ i mean there's there's no other path forward for these nuns they should be dousing this thing and drowning it in holy water right or just taking it to the toilet and kill it also inside (laughs) this canister one presumes is this rock you're talking about the little pointy crystal yeah 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 it, it's on top of the casing. Okay. It looks a little bit like the thing Superman showed up or something. They just stuck it on top as an ornament. And for those who haven't seen this movie, please don't. It looks like something you would have bought from that store in the mall that sold dream catchers and katana swords and blankets that had Native Americans and wolves and shit. Right, like faux Asian <laughs> lions. Yeah. Umbrella stand that's made entirely of bamboo. Yeah, and this crystal clearly looks like something you might want to rub on your armpits if you are opposed to aluminum-based deodorant Mm -hmm. and you enjoy stinking and having people tell you how bad you smell. That's what this crystal is for. Back in the sewers, Daisy's mom, as played by Daisy, she runs through the sewer tunnels that have suddenly now become subway tunnels, and she dashes along and she runs into Koopa, who is played by Dennis hopper Mm -hmm. and koopa just emerges from the shadows he's like where's the rock man i guess his loud screaming causes a cave-in of sorts and all these beams fall and our mystery woman screams yep hope she's okay bo or whatever (laughs) and then we cut to brooklyn present day right Or present day as of 1993. We see a street corner and there's a storefront for Fulton's Flowers. But in front of it is a work truck that very faintly, like in sun 
drenched, poorly scribbled paint says Mario Brothers Plumbing. Why do we have Fulton Flowers as the corner shop? Why not make the shop Mario Brothers Plumbing Shop? And they have a truck out front. They talk about how they're going broke, but there's a good way to show that. Just have the place be run down and fucked up and there's rats running around and, you know, they got a bunch of stacks of papers that say overdue on it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I got it. Right. Just fix your shit, man. (laughs) Movies are not that hard to make, especially shitty movies. I did one. It's easy. You made two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them's worse than the other. (laughs) But they both got made. And in many ways, better than this. I would argue at least one of them is better than this, yes. I would agree with you. The question is, which one? The answer may we surprise you. <laughs> so anyway, Luigi, we meet, who's John Leguizamo. He's laying on a couch watching some tabloid TV show about other dimensions and shit. It's like this Unsolved Mysteries knockoff. Except it's Unsolved Completely Ridiculous Mysteries. The host is like, what if there was another dimension? A universe next door. This <laughs> is all foreshadowing, of course, because this sure. movie's clever. And Mario gets a phone call. And he's like, hey, Luigi, get your ass in gear. We got a work to do. Mm. And he tries to rush Luigi into action by just dropping boots on his dick. Yeah. And Luigi recovers pretty quick. Dude, you drop a couple of steel-toed work boots on my cock? I'm out for the day. At the very least, I'm going to need five, ten minutes to recover. And Luigi, <laughs> by the way, is telling him all about like, listen, Mario, they said there was on this show that this guy's brain got turned into cheese. We got to go fix this busted dishwasher at the Who Cares restaurant. All right? Come on, we're broke. We got to get to work. Ah, come on, Mario. You just got to believe. <laughs> anyway, so on the way to the job, Luigi completely screws it up by saying, Mario, I'm going to follow my instincts and I'm going to go the opposite direction of the job. And of course, Mario, played by Bob Hoskins, who, by the way, is giving it his all in this movie, but one man cannot support an entire film. He's kind of playing the generic Bob Hoskins character, which is, hell, it's probably not much different than the character he played in Roger Rabbit. Not much different at all, but it's still kind of impressive, especially when you know that he's got this crazy British brogue, really, and Mm -hmm. and doing a fairly good cartoonish Brooklyn accent. Like, this is the Mario that makes sense in my head, even though... What he does in the movie does not. But Bob Hoskins as Mario adds up. That makes sense to me. And he's like, what are you doing, Luigi? We're trying to get to this job. And then he's like, you just got to trust me, Mario. I know what I'm doing. You said turn right. I'm going to go left. Right. Like, what? That's You're going the opposite direction of where the work is? Yeah, I got a good feeling about this, Mario. You idiot. It turns out I didn't want to do shit today. And if we take enough left turns, <laughs> then by the time we get there, it'll either be fixed or somebody else will be doing it. If we're lucky, we'll get back to our apartment. I can go back inside and keep watching that television program put some ice on my nuts the next segment was all about some kind of dinosaur thing (laughs) so they get there and there's a rival plumbing company slash developer named the scapellis there their truck says that they do plumbing in london paris palermo beverly hills and brooklyn clearly this is a money laundering front for the mob and also, if you got a busted dishwasher, you don't call multiple companies to show up in the first one there fixes it. Like, if a company shows up, like, you got to pay a rate to have them show up in an emergency. That's not how plumbing works. I know from experience. Also, just real quick, Bob Hoskins looks like he could be Luigi's grandfather in this movie. 
Well, we'll get to that in a minute because there's a, a discussion about his role. But yeah, so they get there and they're like, ah, Scapelli's, you you done it again. Then we cut to this archaeological dig where Mr. Scapelli, the owner, question mark, of this multinational mm-hmm, of Scapelli's construction and plumbing. <laughs> right. Is giving this big... Uh, speech about how they want this land and daisy princess daisy played by samantha mathis not her mother shows up you threw out that she's princess daisy oh sorry now is that because you've played the video game and you know that she's princess daisy well partly that and also because they call her princess about three thousand times in this movie yeah but it doesn't really start until like act three and it's said offhandedly and once somebody says it then everybody else picks it up yeah but it's never really explained it's like when you meet somebody for the first time and you don't know their name like you know their name is doug and then one of their friends who's known him a lot longer calls him d-dog and you're like oh so he's just called d-dog then and then you just start calling him d-dog too you remember when you and i lived in government subsidized housing together Uh and there were three guys that were the like maintenance men Mm -hmm. and there were two of them named bill and then one day somebody referred to one of them as stinky bill and we (laughs) we all knew which one (laughs) well sure i mean you get that descriptor right but it was like they're both like we're gonna send bill up and you're like oh i wonder which bill we're gonna get and then one day they were like so did you get stinky bill and you're like no no no, we just got bill Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was the first time i ever saw a crack pipe when we lived there i saw a crack pipe that old guy who passed out and then we found his wallet and our buddy tried to use that old man's id to buy beer and that didn't work I remember that. Remember that night that lady came to our apartment and banged on the door screaming she wanted her cigarettes and we didn't let her in because we didn't know her. And she just went through a rainbow of emotions of anger, fear, rage, despair, sadness. Dude, that was legitimately terrifying. That was a good night. (laughs) So you say. I want my goddamn cigarettes. Thump, thump, thump. I was like, dude, we need to get a gun. Like, (laughs) we should. (laughs) And, And I didn't have a car. So I was like walking the mean streets of Knoxville. I can't believe I'm going to say this on a public format. One night I was so sick to my stomach. I had to have diarrhea in a public parking lot on my way home from work. I've never heard that. Uh, I thought did you were going to say that? I don't think I've heard that story <laughs> yeah, before. That happened. I was on my way home from work and I got suddenly very sick. And I was like, well, I'm either going to poop myself or I got to find some shelter from the storm. Right. And I looked for a bathroom, couldn't find one. Nearest thing was a public parking lot. So I found a spot as far away as I could get from the road and just let loose. You just shit in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's went, awesome. Like, I'm not proud of it, but love throws you some curveballs sometimes, man. You gotta deal with it. Welcome back to Ass Chat with Bo and Chad. Caller number two, you're on the line, west of the Rockies. <laughs> I was just wondering, I've been trying to get a, a light bulb, <laughs> LED light bulb, uh, <laughs> out of my rectum. I put it in there, you know, just see if it'll yeah. glow <laughs> like Uncle Fester. <laughs> All right. Yep. What you're going to need to do, you're going to need to get a small bandsaw, uh, the kind that they use to remove casts uh-huh. from people's arms. And you're going to need to cut into that one quarter inch horizontal, then come in another quarter inch at a 45 degree angle to create an opening to release the vacuum slides right out every time. All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me ask you one more question. And I'll hang up and listen offline. Uh, what <laughs> if also there's a, uh, a boa constrictor as well as an LED light bulb? Uh, okay. Thanks All for right. taking my call. Yeah. Just for that caller right 
get their same uh, response. It's the old 9045, but with any sort of livestock, as we always say, you need to film it and send it in. All right? All right. <laughs> we have to have proof. No word from our sponsor. Cash for Gold. Cash for Gold. <laughs> the company that gives you the most money for the things that you value most in your life. Send it in to Cash for Gold. And remember to use the special passcode keyword, ASCHAT, for an extra 10% on top of you selling your most valuable possessions. How would it not be Vaseline? How would that not be the sponsor? <laughs> Need something sticky and slippery that ain't? <laughs> Try Vaseline. Yeah, yeah, the old duty bottle indeed. Anyway, so Daisy... You can edit that down and just pick it up there. Yeah, so Daisy is like, hey, you can't develop this place because there's important archaeological stuff happening in this tunnel. We're digging up dinosaur bones as long as the court will allow us. And Scarpelli says, hey, look, yeah, you look like a smart girl, all right? Yeah, I got a feeling uh, you're going to be done tonight, all right? Plus, I hear there's a lot of girls going missing in Brooklyn. That clearly, it's not even a thinly veiled threat. That's just a threat. Is Scarpelli abducting women? Is he human trafficking? Probably, but it turns out he's not. Yeah, but that's kind of the implication. He's just capitalizing on a recent spate of crimes, apparently, to threaten this poor woman. Yeah, and on the first pass, I didn't even pick up that all these women were missing out of Brooklyn. Yeah. Until we get to, like, the end of Act 2, early Act 3, I was like, oh yeah, they did mention that earlier. Then we cut to two of our villains of the movie, Spike and Iggy. To call them villains, they're this movie's version of Otis <laughs> from Superman the movie. Yeah. It's like if, if Otis had babies with the Roxbury guys. A very apt way to describe them. Iggy Berg. Iggy is played by Fisher Stevens, uh -huh. who was an actor that studied with Uta Hagen and performed in over 500 performances of Harvey Firestein's Torch Song trilogy on and off Broadway, and he played Eugene in Neil Simon's Brighton Beach memoirs, and he was married to Michelle Pfeiffer in the 90s, mm -hmm. and he wore blackface in Short Circuit and Short Circuit 2 playing a man from India. But all of that should not be negated because of his terrible decisions to play an Indian man. The guy has worked with everybody. He he was in Isle of Dogs and the French Dispatch with Wes Anderson. He did a was big he run. in there? Yeah, he did a big run on Succession. He was in Hail Caesar from the Coen, the Coen Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, I missed that one. He's been in everything. It seemed like he was going to have a real career, and then somehow he ended up in this. Did he get a drug addiction or just bad advice? Hackers was a couple of years after this, and that was still a pretty big movie for him. But after that, he just kind of fell into television. Spike, the number two, is played by Richard Edson, mm -hmm. who you only know as the dirtbag garage attendant that goes on a joyride in Cameron's dad's convertible in Ferris Bueller. He was in Do the Right Thing, too. Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I remember from Do the Right Thing is Radio Rahim, Spike Lee, the mayor. Yeah. I remember and, a lot uh, from that. What's his name? John Hurd with the, the bike moving into the neighborhood, doing the whole can't we all get along thing. And what's her name? Shaking her ass at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Rosie Perez. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie. That was a good movie. Yeah. That was a movie we saw on one of our day trips, I feel like. Here's something nobody gives a shit about but you and me. Come on. <laughs> These are my favorite shows. Did you and I see Rumble in the Bronx together? Yes, we did. This was one of the most memorable trailers ever I saw in my life because 
we were in a theater packed with military personnel and like us seeing Rumble in the Bronx opening night, Jackie Chan, and they showed the trailer for the Beavis and Butthead movie and not one person in that theater even knew that a Beavis and Butthead movie was a thing. And this theater lost its fucking mind. (laughs) When they started playing that opening guitar, if you remember that, Uh-oh. I mean, I thought people were just going to start ripping the chairs out of the floor and start beating each other with it in anticipation of a Beavis and Butthead movie. That's terrific. And then that hovercraft goes over that guy and pulls his pants off in Rumble in the Bronx. That was pretty good. Rumble in the Bronx is a great movie, and I've been meaning to go back to it. It's one that has come up in my memory two or three times lately, and I tried to watch Shanghai Noon yeah to get it's all right eh, it's not as good as you remember it i've watched it recently my my son is of the age that that's appropriate for him and i know we try to stay focused and we're not doing a very good job on this episode i do want to say just as a recommendation if you are a fan of beavis and butthead Uh that paramount plus beavis and butthead movie the first half of it is funnier than it deserves to be the back half of it loses its way a little bit but the first half of it was surprised me at how entertaining it was and i'm i'm a fair weather fan when it comes to beavis some butthead but it made me laugh the same way that the jerky boys movie did that it's both the nostalgia part of it but the stupidity still lands the way that it should mike judge turns out pretty good writer director generally makes good shit king of the hill awesome silicon valley awesome er yeah road stories is that what's called or uh, tales from the road yeah. Also fantastic. All right. Anyway, we, we got to get through this. Otherwise, we're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be talking about better things than this piece of shit. So, yeah. uh, Iggy and Spike show up. Basically, they're the, and I put this in sneer quotes, comic relief of the film as they are trying to find Daisy. Like you said, they're dressed like the Roxbury guys and they're like, Kuba will kill us if we bring the wrong girl again. So they're on the heels of Daisy. Meanwhile, the Mario Brothers band breaks down because Luigi doesn't know how to bother with a check engine light. Or use a clutch or read street signs. I think that's why he's like, go left or right, because he doesn't know how to read. I think he's just illiterate and ignorant. Mario is more caretaker than brother. It's a real, like, the other sister. It's real questionable if they're brothers at all. They're, which, by the way, I don't think that they are. No, 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 no. I think he found Luigi in a trash can or something. The parents got a whiff of how this kid was going to turn out and took the easy way out. And Mario had the dumb luck or the stupidity to pick him up and be like, maybe I'll take him home and see what I can make of him. You saying I can get a tax write-off? What with this thing? <laughs> Why not? A dependent? Why, I always wanted one of them for taxes. <laughs> anyway, the, the van's broke. Down. Luigi's calling for help while Iggy and Spike are following Daisy through the streets of Brooklyn. And Mario goes in for some water because it turns out that's all this car really needs, all the van needs. And Luigi, meanwhile, gets all horned up when Daisy shows up to use yeah. the public payphone. And so he just hangs up on whoever he was calling to fix the the van while we hear Mario in the background yelling at the store saying, everybody's got tap water. Because uh, apparently he had to buy some bottled water or something. And so he's putting water in the van while Daisy's making a phone call to say, look, they need more security at the, the archaeological dig. Yeah, but Luigi was the one who gave her the quarter to make the call. He's, he's like, does use needs to be using the phones here? Takes one of my quarters is. Here, yeah, you smell so good. You look so pretty. You're so fine. You mind if I stand uncomfortably close to you while you make your telephone call, dear? I heard your name is Daisy, like the flower. 
no shit idiot well and mario is watching all this go down and it's just like oh son of a hey just go talk to her and don't sound like an idiot hey you you look like you're in trouble we got a van you want to get in the back and, and we'll take you somewheres and she's like uh okay and i'm like no yeah that's abduction and rape 101 <laughs> never go to a second location and they are absolutely trying to take her to a second location if someone shows up with a van and says do you need a ride the answer is no it is always no but she gets in with them and iggy and spike are watching all of this go down is that chloroform oh my gosh what are all these rags duct tape that's weird shovels lie what do you guys do for a living jackie lum is in the back squirting the hypodermics into his mouth (laughs) oh we've got one huh (laughs) what are all of these maps to the middle of nowhere what's this box marked trophies with all these bracelets and driver's licenses in them but they end up driving her to the college shockingly and luigi asks her to dinner hey what's do you have eats foods and and drinks and things at night uh yeah would you be interested in going to dinners with me and my brother's Mario's over here? Uh, do I have to pay for anything? Mario's does she has to pay for anything? Uh, no, we got it covered, kid. Nah, you can just come and eat whatever she wants is. Okay. So we immediately <laughs> cut to the date that night that Mario yeah. and his busty girlfriend... Daniela. Uh huh. It's a double date with Luigi and Daisy. This is like the date from The Fisher King. Where, yes. <laughs> where his girlfriend is like, oh my goodness, Daisy, you need a tan. How about you come by the shop sometime? You want to make sure that you wear something that doesn't give you tan lines because, you know, when guys are looking at your bare tits, they don't like tan lines so much. We were a real classy tanning salon. When you come in, we got these little Playboy bunny stickers. You put one right up here on your tit before you get in there. And when the guys see that, mm-hmm, they know you down to play all right which begins the weird horniness of this movie and this is a horny movie <sighs> oh one guy's horny it's me is everybody i got some bonus in my pants all right luigi we'll get into the big bertha stuff later with mario but is a sub he wants to have somebody step on his nuts that's probably why he was <laughs> dropping the boots on luigi's dick he was like hey <laughs> does the apple fall fall from the tree <laughs> he's secretly hoping that he repays the favor come on man don't you want to get revenge on me hey there's a bowling ball in the closet i'm gonna go to sleep now in the nude with no blankets did you see that jerky boys movie they always talk about jagging each other in the ass you ever thought about doing that to somebody luigi but this is a movie that definitely wants you to know that mario fucks i don't think he's really tied down to any woman when he says girlfriend that's a label that he applies to a lot of different people sure During this dinner, Daisy says, I'm a dinosaur science research person. That's what she says. And she says, and we're digging to find a location where the meteorite that hit Earth landed and it killed all the dinosaurs. First off, it's called a paleontologist, not dinosaur research person. And second, the reason I know you're not one is that you've never heard of the Chicxula crater in the Yucatan Peninsula, which is widely to believe the location of the meteorite that crashed that killed all the dinosaurs. It did not happen in Brooklyn, next to a flower shop or wherever the hell we are. She basically is talking about her weird meteor job. And also she says she has this special crystal necklace that she got from the mall. Only she doesn't say that. What she says is is she's had it ever since she was a kid when she was and i quote found her exact words are i know it sounds weird but it's the only thing i had on me when i was found yeah you know what sounds weird 
saying that you were found, weirdo. And Luigi was like, what's that? Yeah, I was found too because nobody wanted me's neither. And the busty <laughs> girlfriend of Mario, Daniela, is like, listen, I got an idea. How about me and my mustachioed plumber here take the van back and get down while you and <laughs> Daisy walk home? We can take the van back. It's fine. And so that's what happens. They take off and Iggy and Spike end up, instead of following Daisy and Luigi... They follow Mario and Daniela in the van because they're idiots. Oh, she's wearing a disguise. Oh, of course she is. We got to talk about Fisher Stevens in this movie and the fact that he has no eyebrows. Yeah. It looks like he's going through chemotherapy. Or he's Pink Floyd. (laughs) So, yeah. You and I went to high school. You don't need to bleep this name because I am 100% sure this dude is not listening to this podcast. Uh We went to high school with a guy named Booney Swafford. That's a name I haven't heard for a long time, yeah. (laughs) And he showed up at school one day in our junior year of high school with no eyebrows. And everybody was like, what? And I think he tried to play it off that he lost a bet or something. But again, his name was Booney Swafford. So write your own fan fiction as to how that happened. Booney Swafford would be the name of the silent weird character that nobody sees in an off 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 broadway production of to kill a mockingbird like if you just swap boo radley for booty swafford and you've got the same character but yeah so luigi sees daisy not home because they start debating who's weirder and he's like if and you understand that i'm not a good guy and you wants to get out of this date or something then that's fine i understand but if you want to talk about how you don't like to talk to me you can always talk to me about that she's like uh all right let me ask you a question do you really think my job is cool he's like well do i think it's cool you should see all the tv shows i watch that stuff is the coolest ever and they talk about dimensions and dinosaurs and stuff all the time i think your job is incredible oh my god like would you be interested in coming down and seeing the dicks i oh my, for reals is like so i could come down there and like ride a dinosaur and stuff well not yeah you can come down and ride a dinosaur yeah let's go i can pet it and everything i'm gonna name one of them i'm gonna call it luigi Luigi, something like that yeah let's go ride dinosaurs she's like all right come on let's get you off the streets meanwhile iggy and spike <laughs> grab daniela there's a very quick scene of them nabbing her mario kisses her good night he leaves when they grab her bow she starts screaming and yelling and they drag her off no one in the neighborhood bats an eye and then you just see like a random hand from the super put a for rent sign in her window mm-hmm. that seems a little insensitive doesn't it yeah well you know real estate's <laughs> valuable we get it let prime new york property just sit there so at the site luigi and daisy are going down this tunnel and she's showing off some fossils and saying like these dinosaurs have opposable thumbs it's like a monster trying to be a man all right number one uh, <laughs> luigi does not know what the word opposable means Number two, there is a less than 20% chance that he could pick out which digit on his hand is a thumb. And the bones that she's showing him look like something from a playground at a children's museum. It's a science museum fossil, to be sure. And he's just kind of tromping around on it. Where's the one I can feed? Do you got any <laughs> some of that dino chow? I got a quarter. All right, I'll put it in there. I'll feed a dinosaur from my hand. I don't, I don't care. And Daisy is doing this mental checklist of like, Daisy, you work so much and you don't get out and you can't meet anybody. And this guy's a real dolt, but he's got kind of big dick energy. And that's what you're looking for right now. <laughs> I, 
like I'll put the chow in my in my, my hands. Uh-huh. You know, Go if ahead. he bites off one of my thumbs, I got three more left. I'm gonna be fine. It's all not, right, it's not gonna bite you, honey. Okay, 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 Daisy, you can do this. Just go home with him. Don't let him know where you live. <laughs> You're on the pill. You've got an IUD. You've been vaccinated for everything. For the next week, you can fall down the stairs repeatedly. You're going to be okay, Days. They haven't made that abortion drug illegal yet. We're still good. And so they're about to kiss, and then water bursts out of a tunnel, and you see a couple of Scapelli guys run off. Hey, let's get out of here. <laughs> the movie does this weird thing where Luigi and Daisy leave, go get Mario, who straps on his belt of tools, and then they go right back to the broken pipes where mario starts to do his plumber thing and the one thing i will give this movie is i like the fact that mario's plumbing skills come into play repeatedly in the movie yes because he's a plumber right (laughs) you got to do something with it and they actually do something with it and right meanwhile iggy and spike are wandering around the tunnels because they're zero for five in abducting the right woman and iggy says you know, listen, if we show up empty-handed again, Koopa's not going to kill us. He ain't that nice. And then he gets this weird, like, Jedi Force sense that Daisy is nearby. Right. While Mario is getting the pipes fixed, and they're about to, like, turn, <laughs> open, or close the main drain. Right. They get knocked out by Iggy and Spike. Yeah. Iggy and Spike grab Daisy, and then within, I guess, moments, Mario and Luigi they come to. Come to. They yeah. go chasing after. Mario stops them at one point. And is like, no, don't go that way. We got to go this other way over here, Luigi. I've been listening to pipes all my life. Sometimes the sound can fool you. And you're like, oh, that's something that'll happen later in the movie. Nope. That's just a thing for this scene. And then mm. they end up. Are they on the set for the finale for the Goonies? Down here. This is our time. Luigi says. He goes into one room. This is the men's room. Remember that in the Goonies? When all the boys were going to go piss in one cave and the girls were going to go in another. And then uh, the older brother is played by Josh Brolin. He's like, this is the men's room. And he goes in there and pisses next to the girls. That's gross. You know what's the weirdest men pissing scene that I can think of at this moment? It was in uh, it was in Jeepers Creepers 2 when the bus breaks down and like these four dudes go off into a cornfield to piss and they all take a piss and they're all shoulder to shoulder pissing. I explained to my wife that no man that I've ever known in my life would ever be in a cornfield and be this close to another man pissing. Was that also directed by Victor Salva? Because if so, that would make some sense absolutely it was okay well then Mm. there you go i'm gonna hide over here in the low cut grass in front of you to make sure it's framed up properly the guy who made the movie powder and then went on to be credibly accused of child molestation shot the shoulder to shoulder pc not a stutter should mm, should we do the movie powder at some point is it too troublesome that is a movie that is bizarre powder yeah powder is a weird one if we do a season with powder we also need to do that one uh where john travolta gets a tumor in his head and he gets superpowers not quite superheroes the season something like that i would be down for that okay so in the goonie set (laughs) mario and luigi find a wall that isn't really there 
and Daisy's face keeps popping out of it in this bad CGI thing where she's like, Mario, help me, Luigi. And while he's reaching for her, Luigi snatches the mall crystal from her neck. Why would he grab her arm or her hand? Instead, he grabs this loosely dangling crystal medallion. He's trying to choke her to death. That's Mario's thing. Hey, hey, why don't you put that around my neck? Give it a nice tight squeeze. That's the problem with growing up with Mario is that your sexuality is all screwed up because you've got a guy in the house that's just constantly like, hey, hey, take this plunger here that we were using on the last job and just, just pull me in the ass a couple of times with it comes in the bedroom mario what is you doing there um, I'm, I'm practicing tying a tie but that's a belt get out of here why are you not wearing any pants why do you have it looped around the door handle and why are you leaning down towards the floor why is your pp pointing towards the window get out of here luigi you're not trying to world's greatest dad are you i said get out of here i'm a plumber you're not trying to nxs are you you're not gonna kung fu yourself are you this episode's taking a weird turn, man. I like it. <laughs> We're talking about butt stuff and weird sex. I, I did not expect this coming into the booth today. But here's the thing. Anytime we do like children's <laughs> movies for some reason, those tend to be the filthiest episodes. And I don't know why that is, and it's probably says something about moral failing on our part, but it's just how it is. I, let me remind you of the Mars Needs Moms episode. <laughs> and how rotten that one got yeah that was pretty bad anyway so luigi <laughs> and mario jump after her and then they end up flying through some windows 95 screensavers uh... look at all these pipes yeah oh <laughs> toasters are flying around us mario and they they end up landing in another tunnel and they hear daisy like they're hot on the heels of daisy and iggy and spike and they give chase and then they just open a door to a music video set of really any duran duran video and there are chain link fences and there's this like latex which later they call fungus but it's just dried latex draped over everything the koopa name is everywhere because it is this fashion version of brooklyn their posters that say vote koopa koopa can't lose election was on a headline of a newspaper they see daisy being shoved into a car and they end up yelling for her and leaning at on this railing which collapses gives weight under the weight of mario because he's the fat one although bob hoskins really isn't that fat he's just a short dude with dad bod he's kind of barrel chested not really yeah. fat it's what the part calls for again i think he makes a good mario although i do am interested in that danny devito version just to see what that would have looked like yeah so they end up falling down and sure enough there's a couple of like little dinosaurs fighting over a piece of meat or something and they're like right what, what is this this movie doesn't do a very good job of explaining the rules of this new world so like people are walking around but some of them have lizard heads or partial lizard heads a woman walks by with a baby stroller with a giant egg and she's like get away from my baby and yeah. all i can think about was the woman in my neighborhood that does the same thing with this small elderly poodle in a stroller she's a crazy person yeah anybody that pushes a dog in a stroller there's something going on you got issues luigi says i got some feelings that we're not in brooklyn's anymore mario's and you're like okay so it's a little wink at the audience about the wizard of oz here we get our first glimpse 
of uh, Koopa's mutated soldiers, the Goombas, Mm -hmm. which look like three kids stacked on each other's shoulders wearing an oversized trench coat, sneaking into an R-rated film. But on top of this body is a baseball-sized lizard head. Do we want to talk at all about the fact that there's a porn theater in the background of this shot? showing a movie called i was a teenage mammal triple x oh i saw i was a teenage mammal but i didn't catch the triple x part this is a porn movie again super mario brothers the movie from 1993 potentially aimed at children filled with vague horniness on luigi's part some kink for mario yeah and a straight up porn theater in the background of one of the shots all right one time when i was in high school i guess we were in high school i went and pulled up some microfiche you know back in the olden days and i was looking through our hometown newspaper and scrolling through on my birthday to see what happened on the day i was born and i found the movie listings of what movies were showing and down at the roxy theater Mm -hmm. in our hometown it was all porno really yeah Huh, that's an interesting I know, choice. I was like, they don't show porno down there now. No, they certainly Now they don't. just got accused pedophiles. Allegedly. It's <laughs> um, not accused. Koopa, we cut to for the first time. We saw him briefly at the beginning of the movie, but this is the first real scene where he's yeah. like, I gotta get rid of all this fungus, man. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of it. And he gives his villain speech here where he's like, I'm sick and tired of living in this dinosaur world, man. We're gonna merge with the mammal world world it's gonna blow your mind once we get back and we get the girl then we'll be able to do something with the dimensions or something and i dennis koopa i'm gonna rule the universe man and iggy and spike show up and they're like oh boss you're gonna be so happy we found daisy and he's like that's great man daddy wants his rock and they're like oh we didn't actually get the rock part of it you didn't what the what there are a couple of moments it's sort of like if walken had played this part where you get a couple of really great dennis hopper deliveries the problem is that dennis hopper is absolutely capable of playing a villain (laughs) yes but the villain that he plays needs to be a truly insane hardcore maniac like someone that's truly capable of doing horrible shit and in this movie he's a cartoon character he's not going to smash someone's head in with a hammer but that's what dennis hopper would do absolutely yeah 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 we've all seen blue velvet i do like however him saying all right man issue a plumber alert as if that is a thing. And I thought that was an actual good joke in this movie. Yeah. And so we see down below this old woman come up to Mario and Luigi and ask them like, oh, my poor little dears, you look so lost. You don't have any weapons, do you? And they're like, no, ma'am, we sure don't. And she's like, good. And then pulls out a gun of her own to mug them. Yeah. Only to be manhandled by a younger, bigger lady that we will learn later is big bertha she's a large black woman and she just throws this old woman off of a ledge yep. presumably to her death <laughs> yeah i don't think presumably i think that's pretty clear she lands in that convertible and she kind of bounces up and causes a multi-car crash she is dancing around with mario she grabs the rock from luigi I think is who has it. And then just uses these jump boots that will come into play later. Just uses those to get away. And so all of a sudden, Mario and Luigi are lost in this new world and don't 
even have the rock anymore it has been no. stolen by big bertha who just disappears from the movie for the next 30 40 minutes yeah so chad yes enter <laughs> one of the great figures of our childhood oh! mojo nixon with this weird spiral haircut and sort of pompadour flip at the top of his head singing a song about fascism we gotta talk about mojo nixon please how do you describe mojo nixon i like the description that his agent had of a two-bit tom waits i like that he refers to the holy trinity as being elvis presley foghorn leghorn and otis the drunk from the andy griffith show and i think that he's some combination of those three yeah but yeah he is a two-bit tom waits who sings rockabilly music it's like rockabilly and punk rock it is kind of tough to describe which is what makes him kind of wonderful and unique he's profane and is and all of his songs were inherently novelty songs because his big hit at the time was elvis is everywhere mm -hmm. and then he sang a song called debbie gibson is pregnant with a two-headed love child and he had another song called stuff and martha's muffin <laughs> which is about him fucking mtv vj martha the Quinn. <laughs> you and I both love Beering Drinking. Uh-huh. Jim Guzzlin Frenzy. Just look at his catalog. It's insanity. Were you with me when he performed with the Dead Milkman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on stage and his eyes were the color of red that is normally reserved for a character in film when they're possessed by the devil. <laughs> Like, I mean, it wasn't like bloodshot. It was like, I think something has burst in both of his eyes. And it was just whiskey-fueled insanity. Yeah. Everyone was in danger, except for Mojo Nixon. He is a tamer, less poo-filled Gigi Allen. I highly recommend, if you don't know Mojo Nixon, and you want to just make your life oh so much better, then just go to Spotify, dip into the Mojo Nixon catalog. There's uh -huh. going to be two or three songs that you're really going to like. They're very silly. If you like this podcast, you'll like Mojo Nixon. Absolutely. There's no doubt. The Dead Milkman kind of did the tip of the hat to Mojo Nixon right back in Punk Rock Girl, which was probably yep. their biggest hit. Yep. With the line, we asked if they had Mojo Nixon, and then he said, no, nah, he don't work here. And we <laughs> said, if your store don't have Mojo Nixon, then your store could use some fixing. Uh -huh. And I yeah. firmly agree that if your store does not have Mojo Nixon, your store could use some fixing. He proactively put an explicit lyrics warning label on one of his albums. It wasn't Bodacious. It's the one that's like a purple and gray cover, but it's him looking like a homeless motherfucker, which he always looks homeless. <laughs> yeah. But even more so and he's just holding up a sign that would normally be reserved for begging for money in his album cover it says i says dirty words on my album he is like if george thorogood possessed irony yes and then somehow was birthed out of the tasmanian devil yes but mojo nixon is wonderful there are glimpses of how fun mojo nixon really is in this movie but he's really just doing a bit part here and, and is too quickly replaced by a puppet head but yeah. yeah so a cop shows up to arrest mojo nixon and then mario and luigi are taken in because there's a plumber bulletin out there an all plumber bulletin an apb and 
Then, meanwhile, Daisy is also taken to this holding cell where a bunch of women, including Mario's busty girlfriend, Daniela, are being mm-hmm. held there. These are all the women who had been abducted from Brooklyn that were casually mentioned in the first part of our movie. None of this really matters at all, because a little later, they are just politely escorted out of the film. <laughs> yeah. I did like that one of the women is perpetually holding a cigarette in her fingers like she's on her way to breakfast at Tiffany's. Does she have a pack? And that's how she's getting cigarette after cigarette because you don't see anybody in the dinosaur world ever smoking. Nah, she probably had them tucked into her bra. She's walking around looking for a light. And the only thing she can get are those guns that blast out those giant orbs. Hey, any port in a storm, man. Sure. It's here that Daniela says, oh my God, they're looking for this princess. They say her name's Princess Daisy. And we were like, wait, Daisy's a princess? Since when? Now? Yep. This is the first moment that they even interject this royal lineage. The payoff for it is not great either. We cut back to the car and Mario and Luigi, they're riding with Mojo Nixon in the back of this patrol car and they take him for intake at the police station and the officer asks for their names and Mario says that his name is Mario Mario, mm-hmm. which is a little bit silly. I kind of expect him to be like, you're my last name? Fuck you. That's my name. You know, <laughs> That would have been even better, but this movie is PG. But when he says his name's Mario Mario, I was like, that's kind of silly. But then there was Dougie Doug. He had the same first first name and last name and for that matter chris christie is pretty close <laughs> and chris christopherson honey boo boo bam bam bigelow joey jojo shabadoo the list goes on and on bro. this is the <laughs> one and only thing that i think ha- that's made its way into the video game canon from this movie because never before had a last name been mentioned it was mentioned in this movie and then moving forward that has been true in the video game doesn't kramer on seinfeld isn't his last name kramer isn't he kramer kramer that's his last name his first name is cosmo we'll strike that i'm clearly i've been paying attention seinfeld is not a show that holds up for me i've tried to go back and rewatch and i'm like this is intolerable i have not gone back to watch it because i was afraid of that very thing and just uh-huh. wanted it to live better in my memory and so lately i've just watched the good place again wise choice yeah terrific show by the way <laughs> and if you really do like that show you should read the book how to be perfect by michael Shore. i think i'm getting the audiobook of that you will not be disappointed it is fantastic what we're talking this about? episode's been full of all kinds of surprises the least of which or anything related to this movie yeah, let's just talk about jeremy Baramy for a minute <laughs> And how, how funny that is. <laughs> Mario and Luigi and Mojo Nixon are taken before a cop who's getting this weird like face foot job from some woman uh-huh. in the general yeah. weird kinky horniness of this movie. And yep. like you said, this is where we get the Mario, Mario, and Luigi, Mario. And then they just get cattle prodded into some... They go to like this de-lousing chamber. It's an antifungal. It's like what Andy Dufresne went through before he headed into Shawshank except they get clothes on and nobody's, you know, taking bets on who's going to start crying first or get raped first mario mario went through one mile of antifungal for one smell of freedom how about you fresh fish who says he's talking about says mario's who's the fish can i ride a fish i'll feed it something mario's he's talking about us he's saying that one of us is probably gonna get raped i know which one i hope it isn't that's you (laughs) (laughs) you know look i do kind of like the rough stuff i gotta be honest maybe Uh, it's called consensual (laughs) non-consensual 
<laughs> Where the Mario brothers? I'm looking for the Mario sisters. Oh, over there? Oh. I dropped my soap again! And Mario was so into it that the sisters never bothered him again. <laughs> it was the thrill of the hunt that turned them on. Him serving himself up as a buffet somehow made it less enjoyable. Two things never happened after that night. One, the sisters never bothered Mario Mario again. Also, Mario never got sexually satisfied again. <laughs> Upon his release, Mario crawled through a mile of shit to get back into prison. Not that he wanted to be back in prison. He just wanted to crawl through a mile of shit. <laughs> 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 I want to watch that movie so much more than I want to watch this one. So when they get thrown back into this cell and they're just these cages stacked on top of each other and yeah. Mojo Nixon is above them and he says, listen, man, I got to tell you that fungus is choking this city. And then they just get chained against a wall with red dots appearing on them and like they're being shot by snipers and it turns out they're just taking pictures and then mojo Nixon <laughs> kind of sings the story of them traveling into another dimension mm -hmm. because he apparently has talked to them enough in the police car that he knows the tale of the marios now and he also says i think this fungus here it's our old king man de-evolved and wreaking vengeance on the city Huh? Yeah, right. This city used to have a king, uh -huh. but now they have democratic elections, according to all the signage. So Dennis Koopa, did he have a coup? Yeah, it was a military coup where he used the de-evolver, which we will get yeah. to here in just a minute. Maybe the king was a figurehead, like in the UK, just it was more ceremonial than actually integrated into the governing of the people. Clearly, this Koopa-led city is very colonial. Well, people don't care for it. No. There's fungus everywhere, man. Place has gone hell. Just pick up the trash. Make the trains run on time. Come on. Football on Sundays. Leave enough drugs on the street so that people can get a little bit high. Not too high, but enough to where they show up to work on Monday. Come on, man. I think what you're talking about is just being a warlord. <laughs> so the Mario Brothers are taken to meet their lawyer, who it turns out is Dennis Koopa pretending to be a lawyer. Why would he do this? I have no idea. They clearly saw his face everywhere in the city before they were arrested. He's not fooling anybody. Just rule the city with an iron fist. Beat the shit out of these two. Tegan the information you need then murder them both and leave them in the desert to be eaten by worms or birds or whatever the hell else evolution <laughs> has created to deal with the carcasses of, of dead creatures he's asking about where this rock is and they're like look we just need to talk to this koopa weirdo i'll tell you where it's not it's not in my pants i don't care how long you look you could look and look and look and keep looking what you probably want to do just to make sure you probably want to pick up a mallet and just bang my crotch a little bit. Make sure that you don't feel a rock or nothing under my underwears. <laughs> Dennis Koopa is like, just tell me where the rock is, man. Luigi says, we don't know what you're talking about with all this rocks and stuff. He tries to puncture Luigi's eyes into Luigi's skull. Yeah, just goes with across the table at him. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was Dennis Hopper improvising. That was not in the script. That was just... No, he just jumped over and grabbed Leguizamo's head and was trying to blind him with his thumbs. <laughs> and they were like, oh, cut, cut, cut. Dennis, you can't kill him. What? 
Oh, shit. Sorry. Just give me my ether, man. And so Dennis Cooper then orders them taken to the Devo chamber. Uh And there we see Mojo Nixon strapped into this chair, shouting, meanwhile, like, everybody loves the king, man. The king's coming back. And as soon as he says the word king, Elvis is everywhere, just starts playing in my head. Yeah. But he is pushed into this de-evolver machine, which basically the chair moves up and your head goes into this giant hair dryer and then he's de-evolved into a goomba which as you pointed out earlier is just like a softball sized lizard head and his body again looks like the animaniacs are trying to sneak into the studio in a trench coat sometime here in the next few moments of the film he gets a harmonica holder placed around his neck so that you recognize mojo goomba whenever he shows up because they're all pretty indistinguishable from one another it's like laverne and shirley putting the l on her blouse so you know who's who (laughs) right because all the ladies look alike did you know that that's why she wore the l because audiences couldn't remember who was who and so penny marshall was like just put a big l on all of my clothes so that they know i'm laverne ah that's both smart and kind of sad i know but hey penny marshall that's why she played the director in get shorty uh (laughs) so dennis koopa (laughs) explains that they could all be de-evolved back into like primordial goo which comes into play at the end of the movie and then i didn't even catch that but okay mario and luigi shove koopa into the devo chair which he gets zapped a little bit but nothing really comes of that until way later and then mario and luigi run the fungus drops a bomb this tiny little bomb with legs like a little wind-up bomb in front of them and they just ignore it like hey look at this weird fungus i wonder if i can rub it on my crotch i wonder what it would do luigi grab that i, I need to hide it right up oh here. Yeah. oh but don't go off it's slippery just like vaseline remember vaseline makes things gooey buy it at your local store <laughs> use promo code ASCHAT. <laughs> and mario and luigi swing temple of doom style toward the exit while a bunch of goomba shoot at them it's like they're on a zip line and all of this feels very geared towards a very young audience it's all very silly and the music is like there's no peril at all it's just wacky pg rated high adventure no one's gonna get hit by a fireball and see their arm ripped off but also moments before we saw this woman pushing her high heel into the face of a cop during the intake and that's where you're like who is this movie for again do you think this movie would have been better if they had cast children in the roles of mario luigi and daisy but they kept everything else the same yeah as adults and it was cut from the same cloth as home alone or all of those john hughes shit movies he made late in his career like dennis the menace or baby's day out where it's basically young kids sticking it to adults if everything else remained the same then no because you still have lines like you know what they say no girl ever forgets the first time she's kissed by a lizard well you would clearly have to edit around some of these things (laughs) you can't have dennis hopper putting his gene simmons forked lizard tongue into a child's mouth not in my movie um (laughs) i'm I'm picturing this is more of a bugsy malone affair where you change nothing but the actors you remake this movie everyone's a muppet but dennis hopper and all the muppets are nude yeah and graphically (laughs) so and anatomically correct exactly 
exaggerated even. <laughs> like overtly sexualized. That's horrifying. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of meet the feebles. Did you see the trailer for this TV show called The Mayhem? Oh, The Muppet Mayhem? No, 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 no. Yeah, it looks terrible. You know why they shouldn't make anything to do with the Muppets anymore? Because Jim Henson's dead. Because Jim Henson's dead. (laughs) Yeah. And Frank Oz isn't around. And the people who figured out the magic of the Muppets aren't here. That's what made the Muppets great. Yeah. I agree. Just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. No pushback from me. So what is, oh yeah, so they steal a cop car. (laughs) Luigi finds something to make it go because he plays video games. He says. Speaking of the Muppets, they crash into another car and using physics that I haven't seen since the original Muppet movie, their car ends up on top of another car. Right. Harry's chasing after, what you guys? (laughs) (laughs) that's where i think in this movie that if you had had children as mario and luigi it makes this kind of stupid shit a little more plausible like kids driving cars and doing adult things Mm -hmm. the movie's terrible i'm trying to find some way to make it better yeah how do we make this movie less worse and it's really like well how about just a consistent script and a point this movie feels like a day at work Uh where you are incredibly busy doing stuff but at the end of the day when you look back on it you didn't get anything done like it's (laughs) full of activity Uh but nothing happens it has the depth of plot you find in most comic books now excuse me coloring books yeah where it's like here's some characters they've done some things we're done so this car chase ends with them heading down a tunnel because luigi says mario's we should get up on the parkways and then go find the daisies and then luigi's like nah there's this creepy tunnel over here this is probably where all the prostitutes you know and all the the freaks and tranks and lobos you know the people that really do weird shit for not a lot of money let's go down this tunnel so that's where they head and they end up driving through the back of this tunnel wall their car runs out of power and they drive off a cliff yeah and they scream as the car is plummeting towards the ground they've got to be thinking these are the moments before i die but fortunately the fungus catches them yeah at that point they're they're kind of saved and luigi is once again like mario's the fungus is trying to save us all the time can we just go ahead and talk about the fungus i'm sure the fungus (laughs) is the king of koopa berg or wherever the hell we are (laughs) yeah and he was de-evolved into this fungus so the fungus is alive and is trying to help them on their journey to who cares is aware somehow that even though it's been de-evolved into a fungus the king still is aware enough that it's actively trying to help mario and luigi beat dennis koopa it doesn't make any sense but that's what's going on so they hop out of their car then we go back to dennis koopa who is taking a mud bath with fiona shaw i mean not bad work if he can get it you know what i'm saying she's lena in our movie Uh uh-huh and she is his number two and she's kind of holding a tiny snake in the mud things are getting weird (laughs) but mario wishes he was here koopa shows no signs of being de-evolved from his earlier heads up that's right none of that's really mentioned ever again spike and iggy show up and they wade into the mud because there are a couple of morons and dennis koopa learns that mario and luigi have escaped to the desert and this is kind of a nod to the game as well that the desert was a location mm-hmm. uh, for one of the game levels so i was like oh, i guess i'll give you that and then dennis koopa says to spike and iggy what are you two idiots doing here 
wait outside. And so they leave and Dennis Koopa says, Lena, you know what I love about mud? It's clean and it's dirty at the same time. Get me the princess. Somewhere Mario was like, hey, Luigi, I sense a great disturbance in the horniness. Somebody's into some weird shit like me. Lena goes to get Daisy from this room of Brooklyn ladies. And this all leads to them going to the Devo chamber where Spike and Iggy are strapped into the chair one by one. And instead of devolved, they're evolved into smarter versions of themselves in a scene that is not funny or interesting. And I hate these characters. After they are evolved they reminded me of those two gophers from the warner brothers cartoons yeah because all their dialogue it's not intelligent it's just slightly more sophisticated where they're just like "Mm, where's our boss indubitably (laughs) that sounds like a splendid idea Oh, we have been transformed, even transmogrified. We've gone through a metamorphosis of sorts, yeah. Oh, very delightful. Mm. Would you care for some rutabaga? Mm, I believe that I would. How about some endive? Of course, thank you. No, thank you, thank you, no, thank you. We last saw Fiona Shaw, speaking of Lena, in the movie The Avengers. No, not the Marvel one, the other one, where she played father. Yeah, the mother-father weirdo stuff. She was in those Harry Potter movies. I think everybody was in those. I think you and I were in those Harry Potter movies. Yeah, I was in Prisoner of Azkaban. She's related to the Weasleys because she has red hair and she's British Mm -hmm. (laughs) in those movies. Great actress really slumming it here obviously and as is everybody (laughs) right and so dennis koopa sends iggy and spike to the desert to go get the plumbers and more specifically get the meteorite yes and so meanwhile daisy gets all tarted up to meet dennis koopa is thrown some clothes by lena and lena is like you know i knew your mother you have her eyes also Mm -hmm. dennis koopa believes that only you can merge the dimensions i disagree there's a quick cutaway to mario and luigi trekking through the desert just to remind you like oh right this is a super mario brothers movie but luigi has his shirt off mario's like luigi take your shirt off all right a little something for the ladies a little something for the marios (laughs) then we cut back to dennis koopa who calls the cop who was the intake cop for mario and like he shows up a bunch in this movie and he says hey man did you get those devo guns for the goombas that i asked for and he's like uh yeah we got those dennis koopa great great also Remind me again, what do these plumbers come from? What are their ancient ancestors, man? And he's like, uh, apes, sir. Oh, right. Monkeys. Good, good. And then Lena shows up with Daisy and Daisy is put in a room with this little dinosaur that is supposed to be Yoshi. A, and I use quotes again, cute dinosaur that just looks like one of them little Jurassic Park dinosaurs that's going to eat you alive. It looks like an oversized copy. It looks nothing like Yoshi from the video game. But I got to say, man, this walking dinosaur puppet looks amazing i felt like it was cgi it's like a full functioning dinosaur puppet the cgi is real bad but there are some really good puppet and latex effects in this i do like that they kind of wedge yoshi in whenever they can because you know they spent a fortune on this (laughs) right dinosaur puppet (laughs) there's a scene where yoshi should be dead but they're like bullshit (laughs) Not for the price tag we paid for this thing. Absolutely not. So Dennis Koopa plays host to Daisy and he spins a globe and he kind of lets it drop that like Koopa City is all there is, man. The rest of the planet's a desert. 
And she says, so where is my father again? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's around, man. Don't even worry about it. Look, look and then this is the scene where he gets real close to her. He's like, I just want to ask you, do you know the saying about little girls never forgetting the first time they're kissed by a lizard? And then this crazy tongue comes out and she's like, eee! and eyes of viewer, and I'm like, eee! <laughs> And she's clearly not into it. So he's like, man, bring me that plumber. I bet he's into some freaky shit, man. (laughs) I could lick his balls and tickle his asshole at the same time with both my hands in the air. There's another saying, you never forget your first time licking a plumber, man. (laughs) So Mojo Gooba is brought in to take her away. And as she's leaving, Dennis Koopa says, in another creepy moment, says, all right, put her somewhere where I can get her because i'm gonna have to use her later man you're like oh the way that you said use her does not sound like you mean just putting the rock in the thing and just to make sure that we know he's our bad guy after mojo goomba takes away daisy dennis koopa just kicks yoshi the dinosaur (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i'm on board with that That, uh, that's a that's a moment in this movie that i support (laughs) just kick the fucking thing (laughs) so we cut to the desert where iggy and spike see the mario brothers just kind of wandering through the desert and they're driving this death race 2000 go-kart doom buggy yeah and they just end up crashing into a mud pit mario and luigi see this go down and they take him hostage and they demand like hey tell us what daisy is well we desire that you give us the location of the magical rock yes indeed what a bright idea Hmm, wonderful they strike a deal where mario and luigi say we'll give you the rock but you have to take us to daisy they're like well that sounds like a perfectly cromulent idea we can agree to that where is the rock and they say well actually we don't have the rock right now. There was this woman in a red getup and she took the rock. They're like, was she a corpulent woman? And then all I can think of is, was she a great big fat person? <laughs> and then they realized that they were talking about Big Bertha, who is the owner of this bar, which is going to lead us to the weirdest scene of the movie, uh, which is really saying something. Is it the weirdest scene? We'll get to it, it- but Yes. For me, there were two scenes in this movie that were the most off-putting. But yeah, it might be the weirdest scene, but not the most unsettling. We cut up to the penthouse where Yoshi is trying to chew through his chain so he doesn't get kicked by Dennis Koopa again. (laughs) And Daisy is kind of soothing him. And then we see that the Iggy and Spike and the Mario brothers are kind of peeking over this hill to see a bunch of dudes in gas masks maybe goombas i was never clear on that who are driving this trash truck back into the city and so they just go down there and knock them out and steal this truck and that's how they get back into the city from the desert and then we go to this bar which i think is called the boom boom bar Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, there was a mom in my neighborhood, and when one of her youngest kids, a son or a daughter, whenever she thought one of them had to take a shit, she would say, do you need to go make a boom boom? Which is what I thought of when I heard about the boom boom bar. That is a detail. Kid's mom calling it making a boom boom mm-hmm. is a detail that would be any in any Stephen King novel. That sounds about right. But I will say in the real world, as I became an adult and I thought about her calling it a boom boom, Mm -hmm. I thought maybe she just has like explosive shits. I mean, like the kind of thing, like every time she shits, it involves bleach and a toilet brush and like sweat. 
Not just for her ass, just getting the place in shape that someone else could come in and not throw up. Oh, so so we go to the yes. bar, Chad. The boom, mm-hmm. boom bar. The first thing they do is Mario has to hand over his belt of tools like it is a gangster yes. bar or an Old West saloon or something. And like Sam Elliott's out front like, no one's saying you can't have your tools. <laughs> no one says you can't carry your tools. We just say you can't carry your tools in town. Like Buster Scruggs. I must say, I feel a little bit nude coming in here without my weapon. They're also in these red and yellow zoot suits. They almost. look like Lloyd and Harry when they showed up wearing those yes. like purple and orange tuxedos. It's really out of place what they're wearing. And it's totally unexplained. Like there's some line somewhere about like, we had to get you these suits to get in the club or something. Spike and Iggy say that they belong to their wives or their girlfriends or something and how they're kind of feminine, but they're not. It's strange yeah. costuming and art direction all coming together just to make your eyes go cross the coat check girl or the tool check girl calls the cops because there's mm-hmm. also a big wanted poster of these plumbers Dips on the, the plumbers is here come get them i want my koopa coins which by the way you get two thousand koopa coins if you turn in the plumbers is that a lot two thousand bot over in thailand is like 50 bucks here really you're gonna turn somebody in for that what's the usd to koopa coin exchange rate right is it pound sterling right. or is it lira Also, Chad, there is a tremendous amount of TNA in this scene. Um, Almost everyone is wearing fishnet or mesh or rubber or something unusual. That's what the kids like. There's dance music playing. There is a weird thriller style dance happening on the floor that at present does not include Mario and Luigi. It's just happening. Also, the song that's being played is sung by Chrissy Amphlett, the front woman for the Divinals. And the song Mm -hmm. she's singing is Love is the Drug. And she has a voice that is clearly synonymous with the song I Touch Myself. One of the best, if not the best, pop songs about female masturbation I've ever heard. It's up there. That or Wang Dang, Sweet Poontang. I'm sure that L7 probably has a song about that. Volcano Girls is probably up there. Mojo Nixon had Tie My Pecker to My Leg. It's a different genre, but... What is the the song he had about dildos? What was that <laughs> called? Know. It culminates in the him saying, Vibrator Zilla it be. She's vibrator dependent. Vibrator dependent. That's what it was. She's, Put 220 on the money, honey. She's vibrator dependent. She don't want me in it. She just wants to play with her toys. <laughs> oh my God. Mojo Nixon. God bless you. Uh, she pulled it out. Vibrator Zilla is what she called it. Vibrator Zilla in it be <laughs> is how he put that. Give me something big and ugly. Vibrator Zilla in it be. Oh shit. <laughs> if listeners take nothing else away yes. from this it's a celebration of mojo nixon you say the bar's closed son all hell just give me a beer <laughs> <laughs> come on in boys where's the gin he had a song called gin guzzling frenzy gin guzzling frenzy <laughs> That, I mean, that's really the great Mojo Nixon one-two punch of beer ain't drinking and gin guzzling frenzy. It's really all you need to know about drinking. Yeah, take me to your leader. The whole song about aliens invading. And then when they asked Mojo to take him to the leader of planet Earth, he took him to Mayberry, North Carolina and introduced him to Otis the Drunk <laughs> in the jail yeah. I mean, let's not forget that his big hit, Elvis is Everywhere, had that moment of uncalled for throne shade of 
There is one person out there that's got no Elvis in him at all. The the anti Elvis. Michael J. Fox has no Elvis in him. Just going after Michael J. Fox for no good reason. Oh my god. He was not in this movie no. nearly enough. He wasn't in too many movies. And you know what's crazy? When I think about no, him being in movies, I get him confused with Tom Waits. Well, of course. Like, which one was in Fisher King? Was it Mojo Nixon <laughs> or Tom Waits? Who was in Down by Law, the Jim Jarmusch film? Is that Mojo Nixon or Tom Waits? Who was who played Renfield in Coppola's Dracula? There's part of me is like, was he in Mystery Men? How good would he have been as Renfield, though? <laughs> master! Master! <laughs> Come on, give me a spider. Let me eat it. So what if I give you a cat? A cat be great! Think all the blood in that thing, man! Look at this dude crawling up the wall! That's a Drackler! I gotta tell you, Doctor, this town is full of Dracklers. He is something else. Well, Alright, we gotta... <laughs> so getting back to the weirdest scene of the movie mario then decides listen luigi you wait here i'm irresistible to women like this who wear spikes and probably like to step on balls so he goes to big bertha who is wearing her trademark red leather silver studded mm. jacket and and pants and is wearing the bit of meteorite around her neck that she yeah, stole and she from. is a large woman it would take two bob hoskins to barely enjoy a seesaw ride with this lady if goombas are three kids trying to sneak into the movies big bertha is a solid yeah. two children she's a big in a woman. trench coat and so mario walks over to her and he goes hey i'm mario i'm your main man and she just rears back and punches him straight up in the face and then wanders away and then mario gets up with what i'm assuming is <laughs> oh yeah like a steel right. erection oh he look i get off on women beat me i want you to hit me again right in the face as hard as you can and do me a favor punch me in the balls a couple of times and then big bertha is just like this is the sub i've been dreaming of this is the lid yeah. for my pot yes how do they not end up together it's a shame that they don't they dance and he, the whole time he is trying to get this rock off of her neck one way or the other he's trying to pull it off her tits with his teeth and at one point just trying to untie the thing and he finally gets it off and then just scampers yeah, away she from looks kind of sad at first but then she understands like we were going off the deep end there and he's a little scared yeah. but he'll come back and then the music changes and we hear a cover of walk the dinosaur by george clinton sans uh. the parliament funkadelic collective this was a song that debuted in the Flintstones movie with John Goodman. That was a pretty good adaptation of an iconically shitty cartoon. It's not something that people should go out of oh, their it's, way to it, watch. No, no, anything, excuse me. I happen... want to clarify. It is not a good movie. It is a good adaptation yeah. of a shitty cartoon that is somehow iconic. How are they still making fucking Flintstone vitamins and Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles? Those characters aren't even a thing anymore, are they? Let me just say this. Shut your mouth about I, I, Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles are a fantastic I know, cereal. I knew I was walking into they that. They turn your milk cocoa-y. You know. Look, I don't care one shit about right. the Flintstones, but you come for my Cocoa Pebbles, <laughs> and we got problems. You like both the Pebbles. You like Cocoa and Fruity. I prefer the Cocoa Pebbles to the Fruity Pebbles, but the Fruity, it's just his favorite. Like, if you say, hey, do you have Cocoa Pebbles or Fruity Pebbles? And you say, oh, we don't have Cocoa Pebbles. I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. It's just his favorite. It's just not as much favorite. <laughs> Snow cones. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I like to play I like to play half game because I still get full bowl 
of Cocoa Pebbles. You, but you get a full bowl of Cocoa Pebbles, you play half the game or full game. So I, I'll play half game. Just play half game. This podcast is for two people, and it's the two people making it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Walk the Dinosaur is playing. And then Lena. The redheaded number two to Dennis Koopa. She shows up. Right, and she's in bondage yeah. gear too. It's the boom boom bar. It's what you wear, in this man. Scene. This movie is so inexplicably horny. There's glory holes and in the fetishy. back and rooms downstairs where there's no lights. There's just somebody with more of that fungus stuff being poured <laughs> on them in like a foam booth. There's a, a scramble as Mario and Luigi are trying to get away. And much like the beginning of Temple of Doom, the second reference of that movie, the, this episode, the rock gets away and is going to fall through this grate. But Fiona Shaw uses her, I assume, eight inch yes. stiletto heels to, to step on this thing like it's mario's sure. balls to keep it from falling through <laughs> That's the what grate he's open. oh luigi you go on without me i, I got a date with them stilettos <laughs> so i got a recipe for shishka balls she is going to pound my balls <laughs> Like veal cutlets. Then Bertha shows up to save him and is like, hey, I got these jump boots that are kind of like the video game sort of that make you jump really high. But anyway, you could use these to escape. She refers to Mario as pudgy buns right here. That's a safe word. <laughs> and, and so there's a very minor chase scene and they end up just jumping in the back of this trash truck while one of the goombas says well ain't that a damn shame someone throwing away two perfectly good white plumbers like that i'm trying to narrow the references down to just me <laughs> just a show made for me these are the jokes folks anything anything from this shelf and above <laughs> anything from the chicklets over and, and the jokes, basically any joke within this this two-foot area, yeah, that's what you can win here, folks. This is the new Koopa in a cup. The old Koopa in a cup guy went out of business. This Koopa's got a tattoo right in here. It says Slippery Wood what? Oh, let me see that. Dennis Koopa goes into this throne room where he's just kind of monologuing with this oozing fungus. It looks like a big anus of an alien. Like where a shit comes out of it. I thought it was either a shit or a testicle. It looks like a hemorrhoid is descending from an anus. Yes, So that's happening. It's just a whole lot of, look at what you've turned into, man. Don't you feel disgusted by yourself? You've let yourself go. So we see that the Super Mario Brothers get dumped in front of Koopa Tower, which is convenient. And then there's a scene that is played for laughs here and it's called back later where it's just dennis koopa on this video phone ordering a pizza and the guy's like oh you're the usual with the pterodactyl tail he's like yeah man no mammals or worms and make it spicy and this is the point literally in my notes what are we even doing what is the point of any of this dude i'm telling you it's a day at work full of sound and fury signifying nothing at the end of this when it just stops you're like all right well that's over nothing happens it's shocking so the mario brothers get inside and once again are opening or closing right. the main valves well mario says like we gotta freeze them out you gotta make it really really cold that makes it hard to get an erection you gotta work for it luigi yeah, your pee-pee gets tiny, but your nipples get hard. Jeez, I don't know. You keep saying stuff like that, Marios, but I just don't get off on that kind of stuff, you know? I just think about being with a girl and the two of us in the backs of a car. You gotta open up your mind. Here, put this under your tongue. It'll all make sense in about eight minutes, all right? Oh, this tastes kind of coppery, Marios. 
Yeah, yeah. Pretty soon you're gonna want to run a hose from the back of that car right into the back seat, and when you get the wooziest, that's when you fuck. That seems dangerous, Mario. Yeah, yeah, it's dangerous, all right. But when you've been around as long as I have, when you've seen what I've seen in them tunnels, it takes a special kind of lady and a special kind of danger to get you off. Anyway, so they find some jumpsuits, Chad, that are reminiscent of the children's video game characters. For the first time. We're almost at the end of this movie, but they're kind of like hip-hop version. Kid and play or crisscross. They're a little too baggy, like they're suitable for pop-locking or breakdancing or whatever the hell else they would be doing. And they get in an elevator and there's this whole bit that's almost Marx Brothers-esque where Goombas get in the elevator and they just kind of follow their backs as the Goombas turn around so that they can't be seen. And there's a quick cutaway as we see Lena being kind of fed up with Dennis Koopa and his obsession with Daisy. And so she gets it in her head that she's just going to put this rock in the meteor herself and open up the door to merge the two worlds together and so then we go from that back to the elevator where some more goombas have gotten on and luigi gets the bright idea because there's elevator music going he just starts rocking one of the goombas back and forth and then they all start doing that and kind of dancing together it's frankie yankovic no relation to weird al and it's his song somewhere my love that's playing we get a cutaway where mojo goomba is bringing daisy some meat and she's like oh i'm a vegetarian can you bring me something like a steamed vegetable tray and then lena shows up and tries to kill daisy yeah she just pulls a knife on her to kill her and you're like why are you killing daisy but yoshi just whips his tongue out which is probably doing something for somebody in this weird movie did you think he was gonna eat her whole body like yoshi does in the game that's what i thought would happen that he would just like glurp her in and then spit out an egg But that's not what happens because Lena takes that knife that she was going to use to kill Daisy and Bo, she fucking stabs Yoshi in the neck. (laughs) It's (laughs) the one thing I will say about this movie. It doesn't know what it's doing ever. It doesn't know what it's doing, but also because of that, all bets are (laughs) off. Anything could happen. She stabs Yoshi Bo and leaves the knife in his neck. If, she had just carved down Yoshi's belly and entrails had spilled out. It would not have been any more or less shocking than anything else in this movie. The level of unexpected activity that occurs, it's up there with like full metal jacket where you're just like, what is happening in this movie? Because they don't know what they're doing. Mario just sitting on a toilet. <laughs> Luigi, I am in a world of shit. The Goombas are all dancing in the elevator while Mario and Luigi escape through the roof can you even do that is that a real thing or is that a movie thing i've never tried can you do that can you just climb out of a little hatch in the top of an elevator i feel like the answer is no not only have i not tried even if i could get the hatch open i'm incapable of lifting myself (laughs) by my arms alone out of an elevator so why even try like why do i want to embarrass myself like that i would rather them show up and see like puddles of piss in the corner of the elevator (laughs) Than, than them to see like that I somehow popped open the hatch like so you couldn't pull yourself up huh no like as opposed to you piss in the corner yeah that's okay buddy thanks it's all the time I would need like one of those three step step ladders so I could just at least get my fat <laughs> gut over the top of it like oh well most of me's up here now so after all the dancing happens and they escape 
Mojo uh-huh. Goomba. He returns with a plate of vegetables for Daisy. But then two more Goombas come around the corner with Spike and Iggy on their way to execute these two per their boss's orders. And then one of the Goombas with Spike and Iggy whips out a flamethrower and just sets Mojo Goomba on fire, Bo. Fortunately, Daisy is Johnny on the spot with a fire extinguisher to put Mojo He's already got second and third degree burns. He'll never be the same. And then Iggy and Spike have made a real turn because remember, we didn't really see much of them at the club. And if you heard the intro, that's because they did a little rap where they discovered that they were sort of anti-fascist all of a sudden. Iggy and Spike help Daisy and they take her to the throne room so she can meet her fungus hemorrhoid (laughs) father. Then we cut back to Luigi and Mario who have made it into this elevator shaft and luigi does the most fucked up thing in this movie where he's like hey i got an idea mario's just wait and watch and so it looks like he jumps off the edge of the shaft into this open space but he's really kind of hooked his belt on this hook that's dangling from above and he's like looks mario i'm flying over here and mario's like well i guess this is how it goes and so mario just jumps and luigi's like no no i had a hook on my back i was just fun into you and mario is hurtling to his death but fortunately the fungus catches him and kind of bounces him back up meanwhile yoshi has snuck into the throne room where daisy is talking to her hemorrhoid fungus father she frees yoshi from this collar yoshi comes in bo with that knife still stuck in his neck well i think that's what she uses to jimmy the lock on his collar speak it up <laughs> this is handy and she uses some weird gun thing to use a menu to talk to the mario brothers who were hanging around in the shaft still luigi's like daisies we can hear you down here in the tunnels where should we go to find you's She's like, I'm up in Sector 7G. Okay, we's on our ways. Is. Oh, the jerks in Sector 7G. <laughs> Luigi, meanwhile, has another encounter with a mushroom that seems to be trying to communicate with him or something. The weirdness in this movie is maybe in some ways more, but in some ways less weird than the Avengers movie that we did. Again, not the superhero one, the, the one based on the TV show. I would say this is... 30% weirder than that. But I think that weirdness is compounded by its lack of focus. The weirdness in the Avengers was stylistically weird. This is just lazily weird. Or just such a weird mishmash yeah. of ideas that the one thing you can say about it is it's entirely unpredictable, <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's entertaining. Correct. So this cop that we've seen from a bunch of other scenes in the movie tells Dennis Koopa that Lena is on the move and seems to have the rock. Dennis Koopa puts together well if she's going to the tunnels she's probably got the rock man you make sure that you arrest her while that's going down Daisy and Mario and Luigi finally meet up in this throne room and she introduces the fungal hemorrhoid to Mario and Luigi as her father and Luigi is like boys I'm sure the happiest to meet you sirs <laughs> and then also Daisy lets it slip that Daniela is there and Mario's like oh I forgot about her I was supposed to take her to Wrestlemania wait you said she's here and so he runs off to rescue yes. her and so while he's going to do that Daisy and Luigi literally run into Dennis Koopa and some Goombas and then he just grabs them and is like 
all right, you're coming with us now, yeah. man, and we're going to merge worlds. It's going to blow your mind. Mario makes his way into the holding room where Daniela and all of the missing Brooklyn women are located. And then one thing leads to another, and Mario just swings on a lamp cable and knocks out the only Goomba guard that's there. And then Mario and these five women, they grab this stained mattress, and Mario opens a ventilation shaft that's now frozen because they turned off all the heat. And Mario and these five women just bobsled down this tube, and then two other Goombas come in and they give chase on their own, I guess, stained mattress. This scene is geared for kids. It's like it's meant to be fun. And it all kind of ends with Mario sticking a wrench in a hole in the tube that they're going down, which crashes and and all but kills the two Goombas following them. And at the very end of this unnecessary scene, Mario and these women crash through the end of this tube that's caked up with icicles and they just glide through the air like they're on a flying carpet into the set of the main city from the start of the film. Mm -hmm. It's nuts, man. This movie is just fucking crazy. It's bizarre. They land on Dennis koopas goombas as you know once they shoot out of this tunnel now it's like this showdown between mario and dennis koopa and mario is is pretending to have the rock they have a struggle and mario drops the crystal and when he drops it lena is there she leaps off to grab it and tumbles down onto this metal grate that electrocutes her not so much as she's dead but to where she looks like the Bride of Frankenstein with the big white streak in her hair that's now all poofed up. But Lena has the crystal and she runs off. Luigi and Daisy give chase. Why? Who knows? Don't worry about it. But then Luigi, he goes in and tells the missing Brooklyn women, he's like, hey, you guys got to come with us. We got to go stop this woman. And then the missing Brooklyn women, they're like, who are you? And Luigi gets a little mouthy and he's like, I'm Luigi Mario. You got a fucking problem with that? And they're just like, no, 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 don't don't hit us he puts them in their place real quick and then lena has the missing meteorite rock but back on the city streets mario and dennis koopa they're kind of having it out and mario realizes hey i'll just pretend i got the crystal in my hand i'll trick this guy dennis koopa so that's where we are right they're kind of chasing after each other dennis cooper and mario these two men in their late 50s early 60s and by chase i mean jog after each other right maybe three four steps at a time before they have to catch their breath somebody's just handing him gatorade every three or four steps but daisy luigi and the other girls from brooklyn arrive to see lena trying to put this rock fragment back in the meteor there's been a lot of business about like oh daisy is the only person who can do that and lena's like haha daisy isn't the only person who can do that she shoves it in and gets thrown back against a wall by this electricity that shocks her and lights up her skeleton. And she becomes like an instant fossil skeleton attached to this wall. It's like something from that movie Annihilation. I thought she looked like the corpse of Large Marge. A little bit, because the jaw falls open. A little bit of trivia I didn't put in the intro, by the way, but is true. Because this filmed in North Carolina and they didn't know what to do with that prop, that Lena prop of the skeleton on the Uh wall is hanging on the wall of a bar in Wilmington. If I'm ever in Wilmington, I'm definitely going there. I'm never going to Wilmington. not. That's the right. the, I'll never the five it. missing Brooklyn women, Luigi and Daisy realize the 
portal is open because they need to escort them out of the movie. So they just hop into this mystery hole and they're gone for good. We never see them again. They didn't need to be in this movie. Daniela didn't need to be in this movie. Mario should have been single and he should have hooked up with Big Bertha and they should have spent their lives together with her just like whipping his nuts and torturing him forever and being happy as a, a couple of weirdos. Back in the city square, Dennis Koopa, he approaches Mario to get the crystal piece from him and then Mario, he still got his hand closed. Then apparently there was like a Thanos snap because everything starts turning into pixelated sand dust and Dennis Koopa says, oh man, it's happening. We're murdering you don't have the rock maniacal laugh maniacal laugh that's from the muppet movie and then uh they disappear and then in the most uncomfortable scene in this entire film we cut to present day new york city where the twin towers circa 1993 or whenever this came out they are replaced with what are the twin towers in this alternate dimension where one of them is like crumbling from the top and missing like the top third Mm -hmm. it's awkward it's strange to see that yes one quick note by the way Before Mario and Dennis Koopa, Thanos snapped into actual New York with the broken Twin Towers. Mario released a ba-bomb. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Sorry. Because that's a fuse that lights and then pays off kind of in a little bit. Yeah, because the hemorrhoid ooze goop fungus gives them the ba-bomb. And he winds it up and it's like one of those little toys that moves at like eight inches an hour. Like with its feet moving. But yeah, you're right. That's the thing that's going on. And while they're back in New York, this is my favorite line read of the entire movie. Where Dennis Koopa and Mario realize, like, oh, they're in New York. And Dennis Koopa uses this devolution gun on Scapelli, who happens to be there at the dig site. And he shrinks down into a chimpanzee in a yes. suit. At which point, Dennis Koopa says, huh, monkey. The way he says monkey, it's not quite surprise. It, there's a little bit of delight, but it's almost like he's telling everyone what yeah. it is. Monkey. When he de-evolves Scarpelli into a chimpanzee, does that monkey still own the company? Like when an old rich lady leaves her estate to a bunch of cats? I assume so. Weirder than that, Chad, here's the question I pose to you. Everyone sees this man get struck by some kind of Uh ray gun (laughs) and immediately become a chimpanzee. And don't they all start laughing? Yes, the reaction isn't horror and fear. It is just after they hear Dennis Koopa say, monkey, everyone's just losing their shit laughing about this. Dennis Koopa then takes his Devo gun, aims it at Mario, and Mario says, remember what Luigi said, trust the fungus and don't put it up your butt until you're right, done with it. Right. And so Dennis Koopa fires the gun. Mario is holding the fungus, which grows and becomes a shield of sorts. This movie's bonkers, man. And then Luigi and Daisy have been working at the meteor to kind of corkscrew out the piece of meteor that they shoved in. And so everybody just goes back to their corners. Yes. Where Mario and Dennis Koopa are suddenly back in Koopa land again. And one presumes Monkey Scapelli is just running free in this dig site. I thought you were going to say he's running the construction company now. Eek, eek, ook, ook. I want a banana. Hello, my name is Bingo. And I think 
he probably ends up just hitching a ride with an 18 wheeler driver where they can have some adventures across there the you country. go when we get back to koopa land we see that this babam is just trucking along like a taxi driver sees it, it's like oh my god a babam and there's a lot of build-up of like oh my god this thing when it goes off it's going to be a real something spoilers it's not that no. big a deal yeah, it's treated like a nuclear weapon, but it is not. And then so Mojo Goomba hands Daisy and Luigi a gun. And then Dennis Koopa is shooting at Luigi, who has guns in each hand, you know, like Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> and is just leaping through the air with these jump boots on to make his way to Mario so that he could give Mario right? a gun. And then they can shoot these Devo guns at Dennis Has there Koopa. ever been a gun in a Super Mario game? Yes. They had guns. Not in Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers games, but there was a crossover that they did with the rabbits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a gun in that. But yeah, that's a spinoff game. But no, regular timeline, not that I'm aware of, unless you count him chucking turtle shells. No, that is not a gun. There is art that is Nintendo certified of Mario wielding a gun. Like, it was a big deal. Yeah, it seems counter to the brand. Mario is probably as family-friendly as anything out there. Yeah, I mean, he wantonly murders turtles and mushrooms and... Yeah, but he's not shooting people or even the violence that's in it is is incredibly tame. A lot of people don't know this, but in Super Mario 3, there is a hidden level. And when you first enter it, his nuts get squashed. Mario says, he says, let's fucking do this. (laughs) And you're like, "Mm, that seems... He, but it's a direct Japanese translation apparently and somebody just has a, a long piece of rope with a very taut heavy knot at the end of it and they just spin it around and bust him in the balls isn't that what happened in that james bond movie where he's naked in that chair and they're just clocking him in the nuts with a rope <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With a- i'm just enjoying the thought of mario getting hit in the balls by this knotted <laughs> rope and going that's more of a wario thing i think Mario in the games would never do that, but Wario? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Mario was also a doctor. Remember, he's Dr. Mario, too. So he probably just popped a couple of pills and he was <laughs> that, fine. That's a self-imposed title. That's ceremonial at best. This guy, could talk about a renaissance man, also a referee. That was probably something that got him off, too, wearing the stripes. He's probably a uniform guy. So Mario and Luigi, they both have devolve guns. They shoot them at Dennis Koopa and he turns into a Tyrannosaurus Rex sort of, and then they blast him again and he ends up turning into the primordial ooze and splats on the ground and that's kind of how our movie ends with our bad guy there's a moment where the bomb goes off to kind of after they hit him with the devo gun the first time where he ends up in that like hanging construction barrel or something yeah but it doesn't matter because the bomb doesn't do anything it's shit i've made bigger bombs out of a handful of m80s back in the day you should see what i do with a little fertilizer way more than any bomb you're gonna booty swafford lost them eyebrows <laughs> out back doing <laughs> bombs of his own bomb swafford baboomy and then the mario brothers just like mario climbs onto luigi's shoes and they jump over this cheering yeah. crowd to get to daisy and then in a cutaway scene with no Nobody else in the Uh room. Lance Henriksen. Bishop. Of Terminator and Alien fame. Does the like coughing into the hand and letting a bunch of glitter go. Where he goes. Oh. 
well, love those plumbers. And that's it. He's the king for, what, eight seconds if right. that? And does not speak to another living soul in this movie? Is not in frame with nope. another living soul in this movie? It's crazy. One of those things that happens where you're like, is he is he not going to talk to anybody else? No. Wasn't that? Oh, okay. He's just out of the movie now. What? Did they have to fly him there for that? <laughs> I don't know. This movie is bonkers, man. Mario and Luigi, they find the portal back to New York and Daisy's with them, but she refuses to go because this is her real home. And Luigi, he says, uh, Daisy's, I want to be with you. Like, hey, I want to be with Jews. You know what I'm talking about? Like with my pee pee. Not in the Mario way where it's all <laughs> weird and we get hurt, but like in a good way. Mario just jumps in. He says, hey, look, look, she says she wants to stay here. If you love her, you'd understand that, you dummy. You got to let us stay here and if she loves you she'll come back all right if not i I got a couple of numbers i can give you and so luigi and daisy they kiss because it would be gross if she kissed mario because of the age difference Mm. and then yoshi shows up because that puppet cost a ton of money and they're gonna get as much screen time as possible and then mario and luigi leap through the wall portal mojo goomba shows up again to wave goodbye and our movie cuts to luigi laying on the couch watching that unsolved mysteries knockoff in mario's apartment and he's all sad because he wanted to try to put a baby in daisy and danielle is there and she's cooking dinner with mario and luigi says uh mario's mario's come here we're on the tvs and you hear the announcer say these two plumbers did something in a dimension and saved the world or something 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 i'd call them the super Mario Brothers. And then, Bo, there's a knock on the door. It opens up and Daisy is standing there wearing this apocalyptic outfit. She's got a gun in her hand and she goes, Luigi, Mario, I need your help. And Luigi says, I don't believe it. And Mario says, I do. Is Big Bertha with you? She got those spiked heels on? Let's go. And so they grab their tool belt and they head off into the sequel for this movie that luckily never happened the end. There's also a post credit scene. Is there? Oh, I didn't stick around for that. What happened? It's, of course, Iggy and Spike being interviewed and debating a video game that could be made based on their adventures. And they said, yeah, you could call it something like Super Koopa Cousins. And then that's it. And it's embarrassing for everyone. I'm so glad I didn't see that. I wish I hadn't. I wish that was not a thing that lived in my brain. That's Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 version, not the one that made a billion dollars, but the one that made $40 million and made everyone sad who was involved with it. And it's inexplicable. It it is one of those movies, like, I cannot possibly recommend it to watch, but also it's unlike anything I could have imagined from a movie called Super Mario Brothers. I would agree with that. It's nuts it's so horny why is this movie so horny i don't know i don't know i know this is only the fourth movie of the season you know i wish i could say that episode five has a chance of being marginally better but the fact that most of the movies we watch they're they're shitty movies but but Mm. what if we were to review a movie that had a character that was literally shit in it and i'm not talking about south park's iconic poo poo mr hanky I'm talking mm-hmm. about the shocking appearance of Patrick Stewart as a walking, talking pile of shit in the Emoji movie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it with that uh, Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> no, although that's not very good. Oh, okay. No, it's not. 
the Emoji Movie is derivative of so many other films, and it fails on every conceivable level, and most importantly, it's barely 90 minutes. And it's full of voice actors who have all but been cancelled by modern day society. So we put them on a pedestal, and then we knock them off. And then we don't really let them get back up. We just keep kicking them in the stomach over and over. That's what I like. The movie is pretty much a cinematic toilet that nobody asked for and nobody enjoyed. And I'm sorry, in advance, it's terrible. It's going to be awful. You know, I've seen this movie before, and I have almost no memory of it. That sounds about right. I think I kind of remember the basic beats of it, and but that can't possibly be right. Because the thing I remember is that it's a, an emoji that doesn't like the feeling that it expresses. You're pretty much there. Oh, I know. God. What are we doing? All right. As always, like, rate, review. You can reach out to us at BigSixMovies at gmail.com. I think Bo and I just both need to go take a, a mental health day or a Silkwood shower or just bang our head <laughs> on the wall and try to forget how we just spent the last two plus hours of our lives. So, Bo, any final thoughts that you have on the Super Mario Brothers movie? Hey, Bertha, how about you instead of punching me in the teeth, you punch me right there. Woohoo! <laughs> We'll see you in two weeks' time, everybody. 